This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons, patrons like Axel and Michael. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. Listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, the JRPG Games Club podcast that will slice your GF in half. This is season nine, episode thirteen, covering Lunatic Pandora in Final Fantasy VIII for the PS One. I'm your host Matt Marcus, and my pronouns are he, him, and with me today is Sybil Arnett, she/her, Ryan Beatty, they/them. Um, sorry. Before we get into the summary, two quick things. First uh-huh. is that Discord glitched, so it sounded like you said, "I am your help, Matt Marcus," not "I am your host." <laughs> that <laughs> fucked with me. Second, ever since you said the thing about Italians, now I have Charles Martinet in my head saying, "Thank you, trans rights." <laughs> so thanks for that. No, there needs to be a Charles Martinet version of um, of Alistair or something. So it's just like now recording. <laughs> Yeah. Yahoo! Give that it time. Be, that would be good. It'll happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be an AI bot that'll do it for us. Yep. Woof. Anyway, someone tell me what happened last time. Squall and the team arrived in Esthar and were sent into space by Dr. Odin in the hopes that Elone's time cowers could help arouse Renoa out of her coma. While out there, Renoa, who has suddenly inherited Adea's sorceress powers, was possessed by Ultimecia and released the imprisoned sorceress Adele. Back on Gaia, which is apparently what we're calling the planet now, the enormous <laughs> floating monolith lunatic Pandora <laughs> passes over Esthar on its way to Tears Point. Once there, the enormous device causes a lunar cry, an event where monsters pour down from the moon. Everyone talks about this like this is a thing that is like known in this world and not just something uh-huh. that was pulled out of its ass. <laughs> Adele rides the wave of monsters down from space and enters the crystal pillar inside of lunatic Pandora. Everyone then evacuates the lunar base, which is destroyed by the lunar cry. Why did you build it there? Squall convinces Alone to go into Renoa's past and somehow is able to save her from dying from lack of oxygen. They then jump into space, get saved, and hitch a ride home on the abandoned spaceship Ragnarok. When they land, Esthar soldiers await to seal Renoa away as they did Adele. Squall's like, yes, this is fine. But then everyone kicks him in the dick metaphorically and says, okay, go get her back, stupid. So we left off heading towards the Sorceress Memorial to save Renoa. You know, I, I got to say, I've been listening. I've been like binge listening to Homestuck Made This World. And the phrase Adele rides the wave of monsters and enters the crystal pillar inside of the lunatic Pandora just sounds like a fucking Homestuck thing. It really does. Yeah. Yes. I can hear Cam. I can hear Cam go. Great. Afterwards. <laughs> that, great. His, Love it continuing to do that for the entire show is one of the biggest podcasting power moves I've ever heard. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, also, I cannot believe that they haven't turned on the, on the comic yet at this point. Like, <laughs> where are you at? I, okay. I'm in the middle of seven. I'm in the middle oh. of episode seven. Okay. Okay. Or like late episode <laughs> six. Okay. Yeah. Cause like they've put up, 
uh, with a lot of bullshit by this point. <laughs> yeah, so much bullshit. Sybil, um, Sybil was DMing me as she as she neared the end, just like, "What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck?" It was great. Yeah. Got Many it. thanks to my co-host for just the absolute psychic damage inflicted by the recommendation <laughs> of that show on this recently. Oh, it's really good. Uh, it's really good. Uh, like uh, media commentary, but also what a fucking terrible comic. Why did people like this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally no one in my life finished it. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, yeah. The, the epilogues, also did just psychic damage to me. Oh it just, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm not I I like I saw that list of content warnings and I went oh no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have Jesus no idea. Fucking you correct. don't. But I, I'm sure it's as bad as it as I can imagine. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So. Speaking speaking of a plot that is Homestuck ask but not quite not quite uh-huh. as bad shit. Or no Holocaust here. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we now have control of the most powerful vehicle of the game and can go anywhere in the world. Again, the controls, because as soon as you get into a vehicle, the controls are different. And so I had a hell of a time wanting to like land or whatever and accidentally hitting triangle and then like getting taken into the into Mm -hmm. the cabin of the Ragnarok, even though the garden works the exact same way. Yeah. But it's nice. Uh, you've got height control, which is fun. Yeah. Um, you can you can go up and down in altitude, so that's cool. We are not going to cover the final side side quest until next episode. But if you have been playing along before, you get too deep into Lunatic Pandora. You should know that now is a very good time to do the final side quest sweep, uh, because the major cities are going to be locked off by the end of this section of the game. That also means that if you have any uh, weapons still to buy from the junk shop. You should also probably get Tonberry's uh, call shop ability so that you can just call the shop from the menu whenever you want so you don't have to go into a town. I did some town exploring um, and we'll, you know, this isn't going to be the side quest hour, but, um, you know, I've been very impressed by a lot of like if you return to the towns and explore them then sometimes they have trails-esque like new dialogue that like pushes the world building forward Mm -hmm. i shouldn't have been surprised but i was still disappointed that outside of esthar Mm -hmm. where the lunar cry is actively happening none of the other towns are like hey what was up with that weird like (laughs) blood tear from the moon (laughs) that just hit the continent that's half invisible like what the fuck was up with that like you know they they had other little side quest stuff you could learn more about the cats that everyone wants to get in like every town and you can learn about like some girl who's looking for zell and shit and that's nice but you're in esthar and everyone is like oh my god we're so fucked we are so fucked what's happening we're all gonna die and everywhere else is just like yeah, we're just chilling. Thanks, thanks, Garden. Thanks, Seed. Yeah, I, I don't think we mentioned it last episode, but the Lunar Cry does change the monsters that are available, but I think it's only in Esthar. So, like, the level of yeah. monsters in Esthar are now significantly more difficult. Like, you have, like, behemoths and iron giants and shit running around, whereas before it was mm-hmm. just, like, uh, whatever the the ram dudes who, like, throw their horns at you like a boomerang and uh, Marlboros. So, like... Yeah. 
functionally, that's the only place that has changed. You would probably would have also noticed if you were, say, looking at S, if you could see Esthar from where you were standing outside of Esthar, that like, wow, that giant thing of monsters coming down uh, kind of disappear at a certain height for some reason. That's uh-huh. weird. Uh, or mm-hmm. like, I do like the way Lunatic Pandora looks on the map because it's fucking huge. Mm-hmm. It's so big. Uh, although I think canonically it's only three miles tall, which is big, but it looks way bigger than that. Okay, but three miles is taller than I think every mountain. So probably, yeah, yeah. It just looks like it's extending into the uh, into space. Like it's so sure, big. sure, it's sure. The scale of it. Okay, yeah. That I completely fucked that. That's not true at all. Uh, turns out Mount Rainier is like half of the height of Mount Everest, even though it's crazy prominent. So no, it is three miles is not taller than every mountain, <laughs> but it is taller than most mountains. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I. Oh, yeah. The the music for the Ragnarok is a lot of fun. I like it a lot. I think it's mm-hmm. uh, very exciting. It also just doesn't really fit in with anything else on the soundtrack, but it's nice mm-hmm. and peppy, and I never tire of it. Look, airship themes never match anything else unless it's flight. Mm-hmm. Right. Really, yeah. The, it is, God, it's so... This is one of my favorite airship designs, though, oh, just yes. because it's so different from the standard Final Fantasy, like, dirigible type thing mm-hmm. with, you know, like, mm-hmm. propellers and blimps and shit. It's just, it's just a fucking mecha, uh, yeah. which is great. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I'm I not, love it. I'm not gonna shit on it because it's not a bad design. But as someone who's been involved in Star Trek discourse lately over the garbage fire that is Picard returning, I definitely mm. keep thinking of this is a knife. You just put warp nacelles on a knife about a lot of new modern <laughs> ship designs and. The Ragnarok has that problem. It's a lot of sharp angles. That's true. That's true. It's very mm-hmm. pokey. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is funny, too, because it kind of... Th- this is probably the most mecha we've seen in the series so far. And then next game, you have Ark, <laughs> which is basically, uh, like, one of those kind of, like, sailboat-style airships that turns into a mecha, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. so funny. And then, and then by 13, every guardian force is a combining yeah. mecha. So it's chill. Yeah. yeah. I love the biomechanical lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love the biomechanical lesbians? Honestly. Gays. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the problem is that they're also sisters. I think that's really the problem. <laughs> that's probably the biggest problem. Uh, One of them, anyway. God, would the LGB alliance be anti-Final Fantasy thirteen Shiva? Yes. Yes. Yes, they would. 1,000%, because they'd say that one of them looks trans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this motorcycle... Transvestigating the Eidolons and icons of Final Fantasy. This uh. motorcycle's Adam's apple. <laughs> I mean, at least it's... There's got to be a transaxle joke in there somewhere, but that's for a four-wheeler. <laughs> I don't want to think about that, that configuration. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, that's that's when they go poly. <laughs> uh, I, I hate this joke as it's coming out of my mouth. I hate it so much, but uh, catalytic conversion therapy. 
Oh, fuck. Um, Well done. Well done. We pilot our way to the Sorceress Memorial and are led in by the guards. They're like, hey, Squall, what's up? The facility essentially is uh, the device that sealed Adele and will soon seal Renoa. Squall tells the scientists that he is taking Renoa back. This very quick turnaround, very quick mind change here. Yeah, ridiculous. He, <laughs> uh, he gets to the device and he is panicking about how to free Renoa. Meanwhile, she is trying to break out when she sees him, uh, which so clearly she's like not just resigned to her fate and thinks that this is the best decision. She's just terrified. Uh, so he takes out his gun blade and just like slices some tubes and Renoa tumbles out. Squall catches her and the two embrace, which has been uh, part of the game logo. We're getting a lot of like flashbacks to the beginning of the game this episode. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Renoa says, but Squall, I'm still a sorceress. And he replies, I don't care. And she's like, cool, I didn't really want to do all that anyway. And the two go to leave. And everyone's just chill with it. Um, <laughs> like, some soldiers are there to square off for a fight, but a particularly chonky Estar official walks off, uh, conspicuously silent, and waves the seeds through. Uh, Squall's like, hey, that Estar official looked familiar. Mm-hmm. Put a pin in that. <laughs> for we like all know <laughs> I mean, we find out this episode <laughs> yeah we're being a little coy but yeah they're being a little coy so everyone is united back on the ragnarok but they don't know what to do now and renoa you know she's like oh i'm so embarrassed that you guys came to save me and everyone's like yo chill just be happy that we did this for you and you're we like that you're here uh but she's like can we go to adea's house and squall's like yep Sounds good. <laughs> Seems like a great place to hang out. And uh, when we get there, uh, Angelo's there. And uh, he runs off to the side where you may hit not have realized that that was a way off the screen. But th- over there is a field of flowers. I forgot to look them up. I'd assume. <laughs> Sybil, I had just re-listened to our Boca No Stop wrap up on um, Flip Flappers. So I, I had the uh, white clovers in my head. The idea of like making a promise or like the threat mm-hmm. of breaking a promise in my head uh when when i was playing this but yeah uh she's again worried about losing squall but you know she even has this whole light of like oh you know if i become possessed again then the seeds will have to fight me and squall's gunblade will pierce my heart and it'll be okay if if it's you you're the only one that i'll <laughs> that i want to penetrate me in that manner uh but he decides uh instead of just you know, resigning to mercy kill her. Uh, he says he's going to uh, become her knight and promises that uh, if anything happens, you know, if they get separated, he will be here in this field waiting for her. And if you recall, this is the conversation we saw in the opening cinematic with the like, I'll be waiting. Why? I'll be waiting here, et cetera, et cetera. And then we, you know, and she's standing in the, Renoa standing in the field of flowers. So this is a, I don't know if you call that call back <laughs> or call forward. I mean, it, what, I mean time shenanigans is going to happen in a second. So, oh god. Right. So, for me, uh, number one, I geeked out. I was like, "Oh, finally, they're justifying it. It makes sense." It's also I like that here ends up being a place that is like incredibly important to Squall emotionally, and mm-hmm. so he can ground him. If you know, if they lose each other, he can ground himself both in his memories of the orphanage and in his strong feelings for Renoa. It does it like 
makes that opening cinematic come together for me. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be very funny, though. Just imagine, like, okay, if you didn't have the orphanage reveal, you didn't have the orphanage as that location to go back to that had a lot of weight. Like, what would be the next best option? Like, the Balam food court where the hot dogs are? Like, <laughs> what is the next best option? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there's. it's not like there's a very... Well, like, I don't know. Timber, maybe? Even though... Um, it, yeah, I... The the train that they spent so much time in together uh-huh. blew up, so that's not really an option anymore. Well, they just hang out at Mayor Dobe's house. <laughs> they had that nice concert <laughs> there. Say, Fisherman's Village, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it is very funny to think of, like, what, what could have been the next best option? Mm-hmm. Odin's Tower? oh <laughs> uh, well well we're gonna talk about that a little later uh odin comes up in a big way this episode i was just trying to think of anywhere memorable we've been that still exists yeah yeah i mean i'll be here waiting in the bombed out basketball court of trebia garden where we all resolve to fight this fight uh-huh, uh-huh. while shooting some hoops mm-hmm. i'll be here under the garden where we killed nord remember that that was pretty it- fucked up <laughs> i also Remember have a note about that area later on this is something i learned there's a yesterday. there's a whole there's a whole race of frog trolls that just kind of like keep to themselves in the winter and then turn into tiger chocobos at some point mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. i'll be here waiting <laughs> deep underground in silent hill wait that's not how the letter went <laughs> God, if this game had a Silent Hill section, that would be incredible. <laughs> that would have been so funny. Big step up, really. <laughs> so, Zell runs in, and like he he runs in, and he's like embarrassed because he's like, "Oh, I walked in on a personal scene," so he like turns around. But uh, he then says, "He's hey, we got a call from Esthar, and uh, we need to go back to the Ragnarok and sort of figure out what we're doing." On the way out. Adea shows herself and tells Squall that despite becoming a sorceress at age five, which is something Sid already told us, that she was a sorceress as a child, she later also inherited the powers of a dying sorceress 13 years later, uh, or like, or, well, sorry, 13 years in the past for reasons. This is something that's very confusing to me personally, because it sounds like she was a sorceress and then lost the powers or gave them up and then got them again, which I, or that um, like, or maybe the, she's like just absorbed more sorceress powers. So she just like leveled yeah. up, I guess. I, um, I, I guess that's I, what it is. Yeah. I think that it, it, this, so this isn't that confusing to me. And, and in fact, I think it's kind of elegant. Like it bothers you and it, the opposite mm-hmm. of bothers me. I like, <laughs> I think that it, ties a neat little bow around things and yeah the like mechanics of if you're already a sorcerer sure you can absorb more sorcerous powers i don't see why that couldn't yeah. happen yeah, um, it just, like we don't know what that functionally means i mean right? like like it's pretty uh it's it's pretty clear to me it's it, okay. i don't know well yeah I, it, it it might come up later yeah no i mean i i did find out by diving in the tutorial section that it does say explicitly in there that the sorceresses got their powers supposedly from Hein. Hein gave mm-hmm. his powers to these women. We don't know how many of them are out there. 
but presumably there's multiple. But, you know, because sorceresses tend to be, you know, exploited or targeted because they're, you know, very dangerous. It says like, oh, we don't know how many are out there. So, I mean, right now right. we all, we only are aware of two plus one in the future. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. This was, and I, I know I talked about this last record, but this was the moment where I thought it was the funniest that Idea is still in her, <laughs> yeah. uh, in her sexy goth gear. Yeah. Because she's like fully like in no longer a sorceress. Like I just want to be matron mode at this point, but yeah. like she's still dripped out. This is also, I think, where Zell says the extremely heartless thing, even though Renoa and Squall just had this conversation where Zell's like, hey, don't worry. If anything goes wrong, it's Seed's job to kill sorceresses. So it's not that big a deal when (laughs) Renoa is just like standing right there. (laughs) And Squall's like, Zell. (laughs) He's like, oh, shit. Right. Duh. Mm -hmm. Sorry. You know, you can go back and talk to Adea and Sid before you go talk to Renoa in this scene. And I did that just to see what else was going on. And they don't really have much to say other than like, Adea's like, oh, I'm sorry that Renoa is a sorceress. I don't have that. I had no control over it. Well, that's embarrassing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, she tells Squall, you know, finish the fight. And then uh, he's like, yep, I'll do that. And then the team leaves. So when we get back to our airship, we answer the call from Esthar, which is a summons to the Presidential Palace. Once there, we are allowed through a door previously blocked by guards to meet Laguna, who is the president (laughs) of Esthar, which again clicked (laughs) for me last episode. Uh Kiros and Ward are there too, because of course not. Of course they're not going to still be a janitor and whatever, respectively. We get a series of questions we can ask. If you choose to ask about Rain, the obvious thing, he says he's not ready to talk about that now and will do so later, meaning it's definitely going to be a plot twist. And once again, this instantly tells me what that means. If you ask what he's doing there, he'll tell you the story about how he defeated Adele and was subsequently chosen as the president of the country. As he was caught up in his new presidential duties, Rain died and alone and Rain's infant son ended up in the orphanage without his knowledge. Did they know Alone was special back then? Uh-huh. <laughs> it doesn't sound like the way it's phrased in some of the text, it makes it sound like Adele was just trying to find the next sorceress, the next girl to give her sorceress powers to when she passes on, because that's how source, like they have to do that before they die, which means that it's just coincidence that alone has the time powers. And I think like Odin probably mm-hmm. discovered it by accident. I'd be like, Oh, that's weird. She's got this weird brainwave thing, but also, uh, yes. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry. God. Yes. But also we know that Adele herself was evil without being Ultimisha possessed. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it feels like the whole, I need to find a successor is a little bit, sus i guess it could very well be that she is looking to to just pac-man up some more sorceress powers that she doesn't have but but using the succession thing as a justification yeah i mean adele is not given any depth at all she's just an evil (laughs) sorceress who's big tall (laughs) big tall evil lady who wants to step on you (laughs) like that's basically what it is well, and she's also she's she's like she's like bishy swapped Sephiroth, where she is a woman with like 
certain masculine facial features and bone structure in a way that make me feel, and I'm going somewhere with this, like they were trying to recapture the Sephiroth steez of like an evil person that is a little bit on the gender ambiguous scale, but it just feels odd because Adele is such a bizarre and incongruous design. I could be barking up the wrong tree here, but it really, it really did feel that way to me. Yeah. I mean, we could, yeah, that I was going to, I don't know how I was going to breach the topic of what Adele, like her, her design is, but it is odd in terms of like just mm-hmm. this world. Cause she, she is like seven or like 10 feet tall for one thing. And right. She's got like gray white skin or like purplish gray white skin. And yeah, she's like gender ambiguous and it's weird. I'm just going to blame some of that on space. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> she just got stretched out. <laughs> no, but gravity. she was that tall in the flashback, which I don't know if y'all actually watch this flashback, uh, because you do get the option to see some extra scenes if you continue this conversation with Laguna. I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she she was she she was just tall. <laughs> that was just what she was like. Uh, and like, there's this whole bit of like, if you look at the wiki and stuff, it'd be like, oh yeah, she has this armor that comes over her. So she looks like she's topless, but she's not. And it's like, like barely, <laughs> like maybe that little black little wing that covers the nipple is like technically a bit of armor, but you can't really tell, especially in the, the fidelity of uh, this particular level of, you know, this time frame. So I don't know. <laughs> Very strange character. I don't know what they were doing with it. No, Adele kind of breaks a lot of my conventions of how sorceresses work on a lot of levels, and I don't know if that's scrapped writing or just Adele's a real freak. <laughs> well, like, this is, I mean, scrapped writing, it, all right. I, mean, I feel like this be, is probably right? where I should say this, even though we're going to talk more about Laguna in a second. But so, like, when I said that, this was really starting to feel like Xenogears. I didn't just mean the way that Lunatic Pandora looks. I also mean that, like, continuing conversations with Laguna and then having these little flashback scenes feels like Faye in the chair in Xenogears Disc 2, where they Mm -hmm. had Mm -hmm. a whole bunch of stuff that they had to relay from back when the game was going to be more about Laguna, but they didn't have time to stitch it together into more flashbacks, so they just kind of like put it all here as like, okay, well, I feel like you should know this, and we dummied out these cutscenes, so let's just like throw it all in there and have it be just like, you know, Laguna having a conversation, and it feels extremely fey in the stool to me. Yeah, I I am shocked. Uh, You know, for many years, I did not know that this that little cg cutscene was in the game like i discovered that Mm -hmm. pretty late and that's yeah you would you would imagine that that was something they wouldn't want to just throw away if they put all the work into it but like where else would you fit it right like you know unless unless you were to build the stuff those flashback scenes into one of the actual flashbacks like it went into one of the dream flashbacks right the one where they're in s but I mean, that section was already long as hell and boring already The la- when we were in Esthar with them, so shrug. Yeah, but like... It would have been better, I guess? I don't know. I mean, their decision to retool it so that it wasn't 50-50 Laguna and Squall and make it 
like 8020 Squall Laguna breaks a lot of the game for me because Laguna is reduced to like this comic relief figure yeah. for a lot of it where he's just this like bumbling romantic schlub and also he is the linchpin that the that a ton of the plot hinges on and like yeah. for example the revolution against Adele that we talked about last episode with with all of those flashbacks like they're so slapstick, but it is this pivotal moment in Final Fantasy VIII's world, and the tone of Laguna just doesn't work to, for me with the weight of what they're trying to put on the Laguna storyline, and it and it causes a lot of tonal whiplash for me, and yeah. it is uh, some goof troop ass shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Laguna? they would had to have had more screen time with him to give him any moments of things that weren't levity right i mean they're trying mm -hmm. to have him be a contrast to squall but like not like this <laughs> yeah. this is not good laguna feels more like he should be zell's dad than squalls <laughs> yeah. oh 100 percent. god wouldn't that be a twist if it was actually somebody else's kid <laughs> or somebody what? else's dad no you just keep jumping god. into me because you're the protagonist why the hell did you think we were related <laughs> <laughs> We're 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 get we're gonna get to the more explicit reveal in a second, but like uh, no, I'll 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 wait to talk about Squall and Renoa once once we're there. Yeah. Okay. Rain Renoa. I just realized how close those fucking names are to. Ugh. Mm. Uh, Matt mentioned it briefly. You can see an optional scene of Adele getting duped into the Sorceress Sealer device. It feels like uh, Three Stooges farce. But we do get to see three Ragnaroks carrying the thing up into space. Mm hmm. It rules. <laughs> three of them. It's cool. Uh, and that, now you like know why I guess one of those didn't come back. And that's the Ragnarok. And the other two mm -hmm. are not in the game. But mm -hmm. we know they exist. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if we had three of these? Yeah. Too bad we like, I don't know, hucked them out into space like the unit 01. Yeah, like, they couldn't bring him back. Wouldn't there, wouldn't there be one just hanging out, just trying to protect the space station? I, I don't know. Like, where did the other two go? What are they doing? <laughs> Lunar cry. Don't think about it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then you can ask about the mission where... Dr. Odin pops up and just lays out the whole thing in his extremely terrible whiplashy way. Uh <laughs> They animated his stiff ass collar when yeah, he like did. walks around. It like droops and flops. I also didn't recognize last episode when we met the doctor's assistant that Odin's assistant has fucking Keith Flint from Prodigy hair. It's it's <laughs> like it's he's got the sidewalls and they're dyed bright red and he, like he could just like start busting out a really great rendition of Firestarter at any point. Smack my witch up. So here's what Odin lays out. In the past, when Odin was experimenting on her, he, uh, he copied Alone's past viewing brainwaves and has been putting them into devices that he calls a junction machine Alone. Because remember, he's the guy who has been creating paramagic and has figured out how to synthesize or replicate sorceress power without actual sorceress power. Currently, that 
machine is just a rich kid. It's a toy for rich kids to play with, but he's extremely proud of them in the future. Someone perfects it such that Ultimisha is able to go back into their time and possess sorceresses. He's like, God, I, you know, all this stuff. And to know that I was the one who started it all, just once again, not realizing like that his desires are pure evil and he only cares about the science of it all. And, and, you know, he helped cause the, the global threat that the, the like all of time threat that we're currently facing. And he's like, I can't believe I did that. However, <laughs> in order to compress time, she needs to go further back in the past than the device allows, which is why she's looking for Elone herself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I get mad science. I get you want to experiment on the weird person whose powers are unique in the world. Totally on board with that. The fact that you make one of these and make it public in mm-hmm. any way, you <laughs> designed a machine that fucks with the time stream explicitly mm-hmm. and let knowledge of it get out. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> I mean, this is this has to be the worst kind of VR ever, right? Just imagine you'd be like, "Oh, I want to know what's in my crush's head. I'm going to use this toy to go into go into their head." And like, this could get real gross real fast. Like, this does not need to exist in the real world. The 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 why is compounded when you know that Odin's assistant has a bit of a conscience and helps Laguna do the overthrow later. So, so, so Odin, why didn't Odin's assistant go like, Hey, this shouldn't get out. The ethics of this are triple fucked. So yeah, I mean, it's like Odin cranking the mad Mm -hmm. science and, you know, science as progress is the only thing that matters knob up to 11 the game gives us a check and balance and then says, nah, the check and balance didn't really give a shit about that. God, you know, I, I I've been like binge watching uh, legends of galactic heroes. I'm almost finally done with it. And like, I just can't imagine like, the, I mean, th- this just feels like nobody just wanted to fucking Merc Oberstein, right? <laughs> like he's just like fucking Merc the guy. He sucks. Uh-huh. People know he sucks. He's useful. Yes. Just kill the motherfucker. I haven't finished yet. I don't know what actually happens to him. So no one spoil that. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I'm not going to spit it out in the middle of the podcast. And this isn't no, coming out for weeks. Why no, do I have don't. To add, don't spoil that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just laying it out there. I, I, like, I'm just putting the context of what I know right now. It's like somebody, like I'm surprised this motherfucker lasted so long, uh, <laughs> like given given his whole shtiz. Matt has begun thinking that the junction machine Alone exists, and that one of his hosts uh-huh. is about to get hijacked to spoil an anime for him, <laughs> <laughs> an anime from the fucking '80s or whatever. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's. Somebody should have just assassinated this motherfucker or like, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I know Laguna mm-hmm. wouldn't be the guy to do it, but like you can imagine Kairos just be like, let's just hire someone to just stab him in the ribs real good and uh, so just be done with this. <laughs> he's he's the guy behind junctioning, which means he's he is. responsible for um, the 
memory degradation of hundreds of child soldiers. Yeah. Um, he is responsible for paramagic. He's responsible for junction time. Like he is He's the, guy. the cause of all the problems. <laughs> He's the fucking guy. Just, just Merc Odin and none of the bad shit happens. Except maybe like the lunar cry keeps happening at random because this is just a thing that happens in the world uh, every yep. every few years or so that then everyone collectively forgets. But not because of the GF, because the world is not GF poisoned <laughs> like our precious seeds are. I do love the scene in this flashback where like they just send lunatic Pandora into the sea and everyone's just cheering <laughs> like, yay! <laughs> it's like the Titanic uh, like leaving the shore. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love the idea of people just watching the Titanic go out to sea about 10 feet and collapse and everyone still <laughs> cheering. Also, I need you to know that you've now given me the idea of someone buying this just to be a dick through time by possessing random people in someone's life. Yeah. I, I want you to know that the idea of having one of these and just haranguing a past J.K. Rowling with the most irritating <laughs> bullshit in the world is incredibly appealing, and suddenly I know why you leave Dr. Odin alive. <laughs> this is this is fucking Homestuck, y'all. <laughs> this is Homestuck shit. <laughs> I'm Johnny Knoxville, and this is Possessing Bam's Dad. Uh. <laughs> okay. Uh. Yep. yep, that's it. Jackass uh -huh. would be on a whole new level. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. So after this uh, this extremely egotistical lore dump, it comes out that in order to get to the future to fight Ultimisha, we need to just let time compression happen <laughs> to let Renoa get possessed and then have Alone do some time fuckery that will somehow break the possession but keep time compressed. But we already know that if time compression happens, then Ultimisha is the only one who like has the 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 brain bandwidth to actually survive it. But in order to do all of that, they first have to defeat Adele once and for all. So uh, we've got the breadcrumb trail laid out for for what the what the mm -hmm. end game is. Like I I didn't really write down the mechanics of how this works in much detail because it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> <laughs> like, it won't make sense. Think of, there it is doesn't no make sense. way it will make sense. The the, the only thing is you, they need to kill Adele so that there's only one option for Ultimisia to possess in order to get to LA. But then again, this is a right. time story, so she could just go further back in order, you know, 10 minutes ago when Adele was still dead. Don't think about it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I they think need to, they, need, they need to kill Adele so that time will no longer be rolling in the deep. Mm hmm. Oh, fuck. When a shitty joke just gets, like, affirmative nods from your <laughs> podcast co-hosts. Well, see, in my case, I was imagining time going out about 10 feet into the harbor and sinking, and so then yes. I started laughing again. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah, I, I think the Yay. implication... I think the implication here is that Adele is already possessed by Ultimisha. We just haven't... It's just never confirmed in the game, really. Well, yeah. Probably, yeah, probably. But like Adele is already there's uh they they put in the specter that Adele could reject the possession somehow and just you know now that she's back just wreak havoc on the world just because like they they put that seed in there so we don't actually know who's 
exactly who it is that's actually piloting Adele, the person. Well, right. Two things well, can be inferred. One, Adele was kind of an asshole anyway. And yeah. two, <laughs> yeah. Altamicia has zero social skills and cannot pretend to be someone she's possessing in the least, which would make her <laughs> job a lot easier. God, yeah. Ryan, just imagine if Adea had the accent up oh until the end of disc two. This is yeah that that would that would have been so so funny and the, a, a decision they should have made they honestly would have made it more obvious anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I the just the the metaphysics of Esthar, the the mechanics of Esthar as a nation, also like okay, so these sorceresses are throughout history hunted and persecuted for various reasons, but also there is the most advanced nation on the planet that is traditionally ruled by one. But the reason why they're hunted and persecuted is that sometimes they get a little power hungry and go a little mad with power and, you know, just want to be despots because they're so powerful. And so, like, that doesn't really seem like good governance <laughs> policy I didn't to get, me. I didn't get the impression that it was a regular thing for a sorceress to lead Esthar. I thought that was just what happened with Adele because Adele is so powerful. She just took over the mm. nation. Mm. And, like, yeah, they have she a took president as a role. Like the, that's true. Yeah, like there's an implication that she took over Esthar the way Adea took over Galbadia, which is she showed up, said, "Hey, I'll help you out," and then just took absolute control later at a later point. Mm. I think that that's the implication. I just turned seventy percent of your army into dogs. Would you like to obey now? <laughs> <laughs> God, no, the the the. Oh, the funniest thing in the flashback scene where Adele gets sealed is like watching Laguna and the other people doing the we're not worthy bows <laughs> when she shows up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I there's all right. So here's from the wiki. Uh, you're right. So yeah, civilization of Centra when it split up created two major empires, Dalit or Dole and Esthar. Dalit is military, Esthar is science. And then when Esthar got scientifically advanced enough, they're like, oh, we can use science for military stuff also. And here it says, mm -hmm. uh, it is unknown when Adele was inaugurated as the nation's ruler, but as soon as she was inaugurated, she made a bid for world domination. Yeah. So you're right. It's not, they're not ruled by sorceresses all the way down. I missed that part. Yeah. I mean, like, you you wouldn't be remiss in thinking that, given how little the game spells out about, like, its history and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God! Ah! Uh, but the fucking... Yeah. Now it's, like, Adele's tomb being up in space, being the Manovsky particles of the world and <laughs> causing the radio <laughs> interference and being the reason why there's no longer a global communication service. Man, so weird. You know, it would be very funny if that interference also prevented Ultimicia from coming back into the past. Like, wouldn't that have been cool? Uh, whatever. I mean, obviously the plot wouldn't have been able to happen, but. <laughs> I mean, it I mean, would that's... have been an interesting angle to foresee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I was thinking about like, OK, there's the possession thing. I know, Ryan, you've mentioned in the past the idea that Adea may have had like persuasion powers like over the crowd during her speech and over cypher and all that. Mm -hmm. And it made me think like, okay, 
sorceresses can possess the bodies of other sorceresses, but can only, but then potentially could only influence non-sorceresses or something like that. Like I was trying to like square all that because, okay, she can put her mind like Ultimicia is going back in the past with the time machine, but then she is able to possess somebody, which is kind of breaking the rules that LNA is trying to put forward that she can't affect time, even though she is affecting time. And we talked about that. Right. I mean, yeah, she I think she's in denial about affecting time also because she doesn't her life would be miserable if she kept going back and trying to change the past instead of just yeah. trying to use the past to understand herself. So, you know, she's got motivated reasoning to not believe that she's changing shit. The The thing about the metaphysics of sorceresses and and why it never squares up much never really bothers me only because we know that Hein um, distributed his powers to several sorceresses and it makes it stands to reason to me that like there's a connection those powers are different and they might not and because you know uh, this generational game of telephone that gets that happens it makes sense that they would like not know sometimes what other sorceresses have the power to do so Mm -hmm. you know but like yeah clearly clearly idea has some or had when she was double stuffed with sorcery um <laughs> she she like an oreo uh, not like a fucking uh, god uh double, you're double stuffed with cream i mean come on you can't that doesn't make it better um i went i went to college with a kid whose grandfather invented double stuff and he lived in a fucking <laughs> castle and he got flown to and from college via his dad's private jet double stuff money is real <laughs> Just like I that mean, look, one uh, janitor who accidentally invented the flaming Hot Cheeto that was going to get a movie made about them that was bullshit. Uh, wasn't it also the same story with like the, the Choco Taco R.I.P.? I don't know. I have no idea where that came from. I just know there was a weird thing about that movie. Thank God it didn't come out. <laughs> yeah, for real. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's so like the 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 mechanics of sorceresses for as for as many problems I have about the inconsistent and sloppy world that Final Fantasy VIII has built, the mechanics of Sorceresses is like just so far down on my list of things yeah. that annoy me about about this world. So I'm like, yeah, no, it's chill. Sorcery, whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. Sorcery. <laughs> But anyway, once you're done getting the deets and agree to take on the mission, uh, we cut to the Ragnarok where Laguna, Kyrus, and Ward are just along for the ride with us. They'll just chill on the ship for the rest of the game. Uh, Laguna tells them that once time compression happens, uh, they'll have to, uh, you know, go to their happy place and, uh, you know, where they know all their friends are hanging out. And that way they don't get scattered across time uh, when time gets compressed. And it's this is literally the power of friendship 
like straight up. Like they don't literally say that. They basically say like it's almost exactly the you know like uh the shonen jump like mean what is it principles where it's like friendship effort whatever it's basically yeah. that <laughs> like almost verbatim minus the yeah. effort minus the effort the yeah. fact that squall calls it out sorry um you yeah I, i'm no, stealing a line here the fact that squall is like i mean that's really fucking corny dude but I guess I'm chill. That that sells it to me. Yeah. <laughs> like because because Laguna is such a fucking corny comedy dad. Yeah. When he's like, we're gonna save the world with the power of friendship. We're all gonna like find a spot and not lose ourselves because we know how much we love our friends. Like I do I the that the game has sold the power of friendship to me somehow as like, <laughs> you know what? Okay, you know what? I'm 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 down for this JRPG convention at this point in time. I mean, the the fact that Squall calls it out is both in character, but also it is doing that thing where it's trying to subvert a trope by doing it. <laughs> and it's just, you're mm-hmm. just doing the trope, my guy. Sounds dumb as shit to me, but you're president science, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the thing that also gets me about this is that I never, they didn't have enough time developed with Laguna to really have me buy the friendship with Kuros and Ward. Because it feels like, I mean, I get the, I, I get like sketches of it, but from what we see, it just sounds like they just don't have anybody else to hang out with and they're bored, <laughs> right? Like Kuros is well, just like, it's boring without you, my man. And like, but otherwise he's just ripping on them the entire time they're hanging out, which I guess is a, a for, form of male friendship. But I mean, like we, we, we podcast with Chris. Uh, <laughs> in a, in a, in a weird way. Uh, Laguna, Kiros, and Ward kind of mirror Cypher, Fujin, and Raijin more than they mirror yeah. Squall's party yeah. because Fujin and Raijin are just like, uh, I mean, we've hitched our wagon to this guy and we're not really on board with the shit that he does, but like, he's our guy. So yeah. that's who we're with. Yeah. Um, I, and I, that's Kiros and Ward to me. Yeah. That's funny. I, I did, I had been putting together notes for like, wrap up thoughts on the game and like one of them I did point was like oh yeah we basically have three found families of sorts right there's the orphanage gang mm-hmm. the Laguna trio and the disciplinary committee was like the, the third orphanage one. gang <laughs> the orphanage mm-hmm. gang yeah <laughs> we're in fucking cat now <laughs> <laughs> this is gangs in New York or some shit I don't know well we've got <laughs> we've got We've got soldiers without borders. We've we've got uh, outer heaven, and now we've got mobile outer heaven with uh, with all these gardens. Yeah, the orphanage gang. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. They're they are they're war orphans. It's true. <sighs> they're but just they're do they're doing some sorceress proliferation. Maybe Cipher just had bad vibes. <laughs> I mean, yes, there <laughs> there are bad vibes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, the, the power of friendship stuff is just, it feel to me like I know what they're trying to do. And it's definitely the end point of the, Hey, squall, trust people. People are good. <laughs> Friends. Good. But it also just feels extremely lazy to me. Uh, this is and also the, the chapter game... where the least trustworthy people all show up. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but also the game has already sold squall's journey to me of learning to trust friends again like we've gotten so much internal monologue of him struggling with that and struggling with his abandonment issues so like they've they've already they don't 
they don't need to say any of this yeah. stuff because the game has already gotten me there. Well, well the but funny, also the go ahead. Uh, the funny thing is, like, the only person that I am conv- okay, like putting Renoa aside because that's a romantic attachment and that's a whole different thing. Uh, the only other member of the cast that I feel like he has demonstrated a better connection with is Zell because he keeps putting Zell in charge of things, right? Like he lets Zell go, you know, take charge of like part of the operations during the, the clash of the gardens. He basically puts Zell in charge of, you know, taking Adea back to um, Esthar after, when they go off the space. Like there's kind of been a running thing where Zell is now growing into leadership and Squall is trusting him, but you don't really see a building of any other camaraderie as directly, except for, I guess, Selfie, like he, a couple of times yeah. you can make him say nice things for Selfie and Selfie's just like, you? Really? And <laughs> well, but then through Selfie's, through Selfie's blog, you find out more oh, yeah, that yeah. it's like, you know, she's come to really like believe in him and trust him and yeah. like that. Yeah. So, so Squall's journey with Selfie also feels real to me. And like, you know, Quistus seems to have gotten over her bullshit as well so Quistus is definitely the one I'm calling out the most yeah (laughs) yeah I I was I forget if I mentioned this last record maybe I'll cut this out if I did because we tend to repeat ourselves a lot because we forget shit between every two weeks Mm -hmm. uh that I've noticed in editing like months later uh but like the fact that it is Quistus that says no go get your girl you idiot it's is yeah you know I liked that they chose her to do it as opposed to anybody mm-hmm. else. Um, and it's sort of, it's her growing into the big sister thing that she ultimately really wanted, apparently. Right. Irvine can fuck off, though. <laughs> He's just here. <laughs> Squall just hates him. <laughs> I just, there's, there's just no development of that relationship other than like, man, this guy's a tool. <laughs> a smarter it. writing of Squall would have had him look at Irvine and go, Jesus, is this what I look like to everyone? No wonder I get such reactions. <laughs> yeah, he, he's the slimy version of what Squall could have been. Yeah, but you know, he's slimy because sad. Sli- <laughs> slimy oh, because that makes sad. it okay, right? Like that. that yeah, mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. slimy so because cool. sad. Therefore, mm. slimy okay. <laughs> Evil because sad. Okay. So basically, if if sad, therefore everything. Mm-hmm. Consensual uh, slimy is okay, but I'm not sure that Irvine has that going for him. That's... Consensual slimy. <laughs> God, good slime, good. non-slime. Ah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I think I might have I just... actually killed Ryan with that one. <laughs> There's just been a lot of confusion over the CNC acronym in different parts of my life recently. So I I only knew relevant. it as the machine that cuts things with lasers and water. Like that's all I And know. I only knew consensual non-consent. <laughs> that is so on brand. <laughs> something uh, something CBT will tell you what field someone is in based on how they react to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah Co- cognitive ball torture mm-hmm. yep 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 <sighs> cognitive ball <behavioral> training <laughs> um anyway uh, co- cock and cock and behavioral therapy yeah. is also <laughs> yeah that's what i just said <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, that, that's that's what fucking Irvine needs is cock and behavioral therapy. <laughs> uh, He's gay. <laughs> <got> spoilers. <laughs> Look, I don't. We don't know if he would, but part of me thinks he would under the right circumstance. Gee, the guy with the second biggest incel vibes in the game might go gay just to get some. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Put that out there. Second anyway. biggest incel vibes. Who's number one? How is it not Dr. Odin? Oh, yeah. No, fair, fair, fair. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, Dr. Odin <laughs> is Dr. the... I just had the thought of, like, oh, no, Dr. Odin is the Jordan Peterson of this world. I was <laughs> literally <laughs> thinking that. Yes, Dr. Odin is Jordan B. Peterson if he had an actual science background. <laughs> Fuck. Dr. Odin would invent the Chinese milking machines. <laughs> oh no. You're you're not on tw- you're not on Twitter Sybil. You you're not supposed to know that he just he just retweeted the Chinese milking machines. Look, I don't have to be on Twitter to see the things going around when they get linked in every server I'm in. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I'm not on Twitter, but I still see tweets. <laughs> Until that site collapses, I will not be free of this wickedness. That's <laughs> true for all of us. Poster's got a post. Anyway, if you talk to Laguna afterwards, uh, he tells Squall that, uh, oh, hey, we have a lot to talk about after all this. Uh, if you're willing to listen, and I know you might not be, but uh, yeah, well, I'm not going to like tell you my whole story here. But you can challenge him to triple triad and get Squall's card. Hmm. <laughs> How would he even have this? Um, well, if you talk to Ward, you find out, and Kuro s- says it because Ward can't, uh, that uh, Ward says, thank God you don't look like your father. Hmm. No, no. I mean, how would he even have Squall's card? Why would there be a card of Squall? How do cards get made? This is the thing. <laughs> this is the fucking thing. We've is been that- over- yeah, we've talked about this. Like, fucking, so the fact that they try to make Triple Triad work in world in weird little ways and then get cute with it, where they're like, oh, ho, ho, little plot detail that we're, uh, that we're lampshading here through the card game. And then it's, and then like you said, Sybil, it's just like, how the fuck, what, how, Did it why come would you... out of the vagina with the baby and that's how he had it? He was the only survivor? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Really, really, they need to put Odin on the like, how are triple triad formed? Uh, mm-hmm. How is how is triple triad baby formed question? <laughs> like that, that's the real scientific, the real scientific yeah. mystery of Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah, re- yeah, remind I mean, me after toy with it until now, but this is the first one that actually made me sit up and go, <laughs> where did these cards come from and how do they get into certain hands? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't fucking matter until the game is like, hey, maybe this matters. And it's like, no, you just broke it. We mm-hmm, were fine. Mm-hmm. We were fine just thinking of the card game as this abstract thing, uh-huh, and then you uh-huh. had to wink at us, and now I'm fucking questioning everything. <laughs> well, I mean, like, look, when you think about it, Zell's mom has Zell's card. Mm-hmm. But Zell's Noah's mom is mom... weirdly overbearing. She'd make a card. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, uh, speaking of overbearing parents, uh, Renoa's dad has Renoa's card. That's Squall's mm-hmm. dad has Squall's know. card. <laughs> yeah. How? That's the one that was too far. 
<laughs> you know, you know. Honestly, remind me after this recording that when I do put a photo of Thea in my wallet, that I need to write four little numbers on it in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, with as much as Final Fantasy VIII means to you, that is actually kind of really cute. <laughs> I just have a custom card made. I mean, like there are mm-hmm. custom card generators that you could do to make your own uh, like triple triad image. Uh, mm-hmm. I tried to mm-hmm. fuck with one; it was too complicated. But yeah. I might do that actually. That's kind of funny to me. You actually, just... I, I was using I was using one for uh, episode art when I put uh put like the funeral like um like portrait uh, ribbons on a cipher's card when they thought he was dead. <laughs> I know on every one of our shows we make jokes about like the worst possible nerd dad based on the media we're covering, uh-huh. but you've just given me the idea of. Father who makes Yu-Gi-Oh cards of all his children. And that's terrible. <laughs> Commissioning Someone's done art. it. Someone's Co- done definitely. it. Uh, Two one of the What? One of the one of the fathers uh, in the in the Duckfeed Slack just uh, made mention. He was like, "I just found out that my daughter has started watching Rurouni Kenshin on Hulu. Please oh, pray for no. me." <laughs> Oh, no. It was was like, finding out your kid is an anime kid is one thing. Finding out your kid is a Rurouni Kenshin kid is a whole other ballgame. Yeah, but the kid doesn't know. The kid must not know, I hope. Yeah, I I won't blame a child for getting into Rurouni Kenshin. I will blame the parent who knew better and was like, we have to have a talk. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that that stuff doesn't get into the show itself, right? No, No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It does but not. not there's never too early a time, except maybe yeah. five, I guess, to have the yeah. art versus artist conversation. True, true. <laughs> God, I, I totally missed my window to go back to that because th- that was one of the shows I remember catching on Toonami and being like, I like the first 10 or so episodes of that I watched. I might go back to that someday. And then that happened and I'm like, I'm never watching this again. <laughs> Look, it's not even the weirdest because as of the time we record this, Recently, Toonami and Viz pulled an episode out of the archives just for something to air one week, and they translated the second half of a two-parter between One Piece, Dragon Ball Z, and Toriko. Do Hmm. you know what happened to the Toriko creator? No, and I assume it's also bad in a similar it's fashion. It's very similar to the Rurouni Kenshin guy. Not good. Not the, like not no good. one's ever going to touch Toriko in the West because of that. So putting together a dub for this episode of a show that we will never bring out is the weirdest move I've ever seen. Fucking wild. Fucking wild. <sighs> well, anyway. If you talk to Curious, <laughs> trying, trying, trying to steer the ship back uh, towards uh, Lunatic Pandora. Uh, Kiro's comments that Squall looks a lot like his mother. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Anyway, and I just realized Kiro's actually met her in person and we saw that happen. So, oh, how he met her mother. Exactly. <laughs> God, Rain gets done so dirty in this game. So... Yeah, Laguna and Rain are Squall's parents. They say it here. And this is the the most explicit they get with it. And I remember when I played this as a kid, I mean, I I, I knew it. Like, the guide basically told you, hey, he's got Squall's card. Laguna's his dad. We, we figured it out. But, like, I always thought the game was being very coy about it until I noticed this time that 
both Kyrus and Ward basically spell it out for you. Mm-hmm. But it's still and, kind of roundabout. And this is where I get into in in more like near sibling slash near romance confusion that that Final Fantasy eight pedals in with like, you know, quizzes is like, oh, I thought that I had a crush on you, but I actually just wanted to be your big sister thing. Uh, we find out that Squall and Renoa were so close to being siblings because Renoa's mom and Squall's dad were in love with each other before mm-hmm. they split up and had kids with their own respective later partners. That's just a it. Yeah, they're, they're it, this close to becoming to half be the grand. They're like this close to yeah. becoming half siblings is the thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like a near yeah. miss. Like another version of this would have had Laguna not pass out in the hotel room and <laughs> instead knocked up Julia and then fucked off. <laughs> If it weren't for the fact that the timing wouldn't work at all, I was thinking during some of our riffing a minute ago about just joking about Cypher being a Laguna bastard from back in his movie star days. And that's how he's a little older. (laughs) Oh, that'd be so funny. Everyone's related. Hooray. Well, especially like you know, it's Cipher's like ro- like gestures at grand romance, like that that feels a lot more Laguna than than Squall's sulky bullshit a lot of the time, anyway. Yeah, and he got that from a movie that probably is like romantic in the sense that it is like idealizing a, a certain set of morals or a certain you know mm-hmm. type of uh, chivalry. Mm-hmm, Look, yeah. Dio's kids all got one third of his personality, and so Laguna's <laughs> all had to get one part of the whole too. Dio had kids, <laughs> of course. At least four. Of course. <laughs> oh, is that why there's there's new arcs every time? It's always another Dio kid. Um, <laughs> I, I guess they say it at the start of it. No, part five is Dio's kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, I I would have figured as much because like I, Dio is too. Uh, too central to JoJo's to like throw away after just season three or whatever, or like, arc three. I, I'm not saying much more about it, but yeah, the first yeah. chapters are literally send an old character to investigate this new protagonist whose hair turned blonde suddenly and got a stand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe he's a Dio thing. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of running things into other things, the Ragnarok goes to Lunatic Pandora and doesn't quite 9-11 it because Selfie figured out how to work the guns before uh, charging directly inside. Once you get there, Raijin and Fujin are back on their bullshit and just want another beat down. Before we get into Raijin and Fujin, though, this is where, like, you see the Ragnarok hand just, like, grab onto the side. And so uh, all of a sudden it's like, not only is this, like, a transforming mech, I think it might be a transforming Bahamut-shaped mech. Uh, Oh, you're right. Mm. The fact that it has, like, fists that it, like, grabs onto the side of of Lunatic Pandora with, I, I... yeah, I think that's fucking sick. Well, I mean, it also grabbed uh, Adele's uh, like prison thing when they were going off in space. If you saw that cutscene, right? Like they also mm-hmm. it was the same arms. But I, I, I love the way that it sort of it doesn't it rotates backwards like the way it, it animates forward is kind of cool. Like it unfolds the wrong way. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's also apparently a shield. <laughs> I didn't really like. I forgot like there was a shield around Lunatic Pandora, so they had to like breach the shield and then blow up the side of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a but sick yeah, little cutscene. Raijin and Fujin literally are just 
wanting another beatdown, though. They both sound so tired and like they don't really want to follow Cypher anymore, but like he's all they have. They're like, mm-hmm. what what else are we gonna do if not follow Cypher around? Uh, but they're they're both just so done. Mm-hmm. And yet we still have to fight them again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Also, this does make me think, do did I miss or are we just skipping Bahamut in this game since I know we're playing around with summons? Uh, that is in a side quest that we're covering next episode. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. may have missed him. Got it. It's, um, you, you can it, still get it, him. Yeah. You can, you can get him on disc four. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Well, yeah. for the moment I've passed the point of no return. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, fight... you have to play Chocobo hot and cold to get the Ragnarok back <laughs> just once. <laughs> that's why I, that. I that's why i put a, a notice in the discord being like hey you might want to have a save before the point of no return because it's annoying getting the ragnarok back <laughs> multiple saves they're useful this fight it's is not- basically the same as the last one but with OGF's draw. just just whoop their asses sort of like how i want to whoop my co-hosts right now <laughs> I warned you. Uh, unfortunately, I cannot draw full lives from either Ryan or Matt, so it's not like it's going to benefit me going ham on them like it does with Fujin. <laughs> Speaking of recurring characters who are just in here for no reason, Biggs and Wedge. But they're not here to fight you. Wedge just goes, why don't we quit? And Biggs is like, why didn't I think of that? And they both leave. Although Wedge is the only one to ask about what they're going to do for money. (laughs) Yeah, just deserting a, uh, you know, fascist uh, um, organization. Oh, we're just going to leave. I'm sure they'll be totally chill with that. How do they get off of this thing? (laughs) But it's this weird, like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a fascist military organization, but also a power vacuum because, like, the Galbadian soldiers aren't in thrall to Cypher, mm-hmm. Adele, or Ultimisha. They're not, like, magically controlled. They're just still like, yeah, we want to do the expansionism thing. But, like, when you talk to Galbadian soldiers, like Biggs and Wedge, they're like, I don't know what the fuck we're doing. So it seems like it's about to collapse at any time, yeah. but now they've got Adele. So maybe it doesn't right. matter that Galbadia is going to collapse because Adele can just lay waste to shit. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to me because, A, both of them are like, this is about pay, and B... Mm-hmm. Running into your party again is a good catalyst for this because I think that's where they realize we can fake our deaths right now and no one will question it. These guys are running through our ranks. Nobody will ever look for a body. I mean, like, <laughs> and look, look, if you're, ta- if you're worried about your salary, like, you're just going to get demoted again because you're, you're going to get your be- ass beat if you don't get killed and then get demoted mm-hmm. to the third time. <laughs> yeah. If I ran into these kids again, I would immediately think, all right, that's it. Pull in the plug. This yeah. is our exit strategy. Yeah, I, I I thought this was cute. I still think it's cute. Uh, it, I mean, oh, I do too. Yeah. Like, what else are you going to do with Joe characters like slaughter them? <laughs> I, I guess uh-huh. this being the capstone to their story is all right by me. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, yeah. I'm I'm lovingly making fun of this one instead of like com- actually complaining about it. It's like yeah. this is goofy. And then I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. but this is good. This. Yeah. It mm-hmm. it it fits. It works. Thumbs up. Yeah. Like like I would have liked this better if we could run into them later as civilians, just like being an odd couple, like bickering at each other like that would have been fun. 
but mm-hmm. you know, there's mm-hmm. no space for that in this game. So this is, well, this is the third time through certain areas of Lunatic Pandora mm-hmm. that were not Lunatic Pandora before we're here. Mm-hmm. Like it, you know, because it was just the Esthar research facility when um, Laguna Kiros and Ward were going through it, and so it's very cool to me that the like massive crystalline cave structure that they were researching they then excavated and put inside a gigantic structure in Mm -hmm. order to i guess act as a lunar cry lightning rod i think that that piece of of design that consistent design is really neat however this is our only real dungeon in the game so far. Like, okay, so there's Central Ruins, which is tiny. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, five areas. And there is the um there's the tomb where you get brothers, yeah. which is like a a puzzle dungeon where every single screen is identical, basically. Mm-hmm. And so Lunatic Pandora, first true dungeon in the game, and uh, a full third of it is area reuse. And it's fun area reuse mm-hmm. because, like, you go and if you did all the barrels right, there's, there's like, draw points and there's, you know, some special items that you get and shit. Mm-hmm. And that is neat. But I tend to think of Final Fantasy games as, like, you know, there is cutscenes and there's world map exploration and there's towns and there's dungeons and final fantasy 8 really fumbles the ball in the dungeons and i'm not saying that you have mm-hmm. to have all four of those things to be a good final fantasy game that's just kind of like what a final fantasy game is in my brain yeah. so i, mean, I was like, like oh yeah finally a dungeon and then i was like oh this is a lot of repeat stuff. I mean, well, I mean, you could also say that the the MD level of the Guarded was also a dungeon to some degree. I su- yeah, like yeah. Uh, what they like to do in this game was they like to turn the towns into battle areas, right? So, like, mm-hmm. you know, they did it in Timber. They did it in. Um, I think nearly every one. Star. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, like, yeah. Dalit is one of them. Like basically, yeah, Windhill, you fight in Windhill. Uh like the only town I don't think you fight in really other than a boss fight is like Fisherman's Horizon and like Trabia Garden and Chumi Village. We saw, we saw like how that, that went for Trabia Garden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Most of the areas that are like towns where other people are turn into dungeons at some point. Balm Garden, obviously. Uh yeah. Galbadia Garden. But it doesn't it doesn't have the same feeling no, of like no exploration of of a hostile space in the same way and it's so and it's like it just you know i guess like the ifrit cave but that is literally a straight line through four different screens basically and so you know and the other thing that's weird is that um i really love the look of this area i love how it's like you know mm-hmm. these crystal caves that are connected via these like weird plastic tube ramps that show off the scale of lunatic pandora where the, there's these just like vast chasms inside this xenogears ass sci-fi tower machine and i think that's very cool but then there are two extremely long corridors off of diverticula that end in nothing they're just yep. straight lines that have an endpoint, point yep. and then you just go backwards right because they, they were places where you would go back either like onto solid ground somewhere like before because the first time we go in there 
it's still in Centra because it's still being excavated. So mm-hmm. you're going into like the mountain parts of Centra that haven't been it hasn't been cut away from yet, and now you can't obviously can't go back there because it's not physically there anymore. Mm-hmm. There, the funny thing is, there are two explicit dungeons coming up. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's the yeah. there's there's the the bonus dungeon and the end game dungeon, which are like dungeon ass dungeons. Okay, I yeah. was about to ask about: Are we going to get a final dungeon? That answers my question. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. boy, we will. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. and I also do not like one of the primary mechanics of the bonus dungeon one bit. So. Oh yeah. I. Okay, okay, I have to okay. ask, how bad are we talking for the... F- um, so the the bonus dungeon, um, and we can cut this out until next record if we want, but the bonus dungeon, um, there are a whole bunch of tiles stacked right next to each other that are mandatory encounters that look like random encounters, but turn it, but activating encounter none does not reduce the encounter rate. And so there is a gauntlet of just take two steps, difficult enemy, take two steps, difficult enemy, take two steps, difficult enemy. Uh, and it, uh, makes me want to do violence. <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going to talk about the, the steam power stuff. The energy no, steam power stuff is yeah. whatever it's yeah. it's it's the encounter rate that really bogs down um the bonus dungeon like, for me i've only run okay it so like this is not twice, got it this yeah. is probably not going to go up above my current worst final slash end game dungeon ever which is still the ruins at the end of trails in the sky first chapter <laughs> one of the most unfinished fucking end games i've ever seen <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. It's it's much better than Trails FC. I can I can confirm that. Cool. But yeah, it I I I like this permutation of Lunatic Pandora. I wish it weren't the third time we were running through it, but it yeah. but it but it does feel like, oh hey, we're 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 dungeoneering again. And what, yep. which is which is nice. It is funny though that there's only the only real difference inside of it is that one screen is rotated 90 degrees, which is why you can go into the pits and pick up stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but everything else is the same orientation. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> at the end of this, uh, Raijin and Fujin are back and they're waiting for us and they're like, ugh, you again. And we're like, ugh, you again. And then they're like, hey, we're actually piecing out further back. We're going to go chill with Cypher. Uh, we're not going to fight you again. That would be folly. However, we do have this robot boss. <laughs> and that is mobile type eight, which mm-hmm. like to me, like it kind of looks like a floating brainstem and like amygdala and like stuff. Um, but it's a, uh, I don't know. I think it looks cool. You probably have seen, mm-hmm. the thing is a lot of these bosses get spoiled the designs if you're playing triple triad because you would have gotten this card a long time ago if you were playing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's got these two little probes on the side of its head and uh, these probes split off and are targetable, but you don't really you're not really able to kill them. And the thing is, they are the source of a counterattack. So if you do while it is in a single piece, if you do anything to it, it will counterattack you with an attack called twin homing missiles. If you attack the probes as, when they are separated, it'll also hit you with twin homing missiles. And it's not like the worst thing in the world, but uh, it's definitely something that could get you into some trouble uh, with some other attacks that uh, come up after this. This has just made me wonder, Ryan, 
Triple Triad is in FF14, right? Mm-hmm. Do they have cards that spoil characters for you? And does that game add expansion decks? Um, they're, They do add more cards as expansions come out. So latter, yes. Former, no, because Triple Triad is very siloed. And so, like, you you might go and see a primal which is you know that they're yeah. the uh, yeah you, you you might see a primal before you've actually seen it if you play like a ton of triple triad but yeah triple triad is like walled off in gold saucer uh for the most part and they don't try to make it as half-assed diegetic which um really helps mm-hmm. So there's not a such devastation card you can play for four three two. Got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Mobile Time Eight also has another attack called Corona, which knocks your entire party down to one HP. Which you know, not the worst thing in the world, except if you already had an attack queued in and then you get a twin homing missile and killed. Its ultimate attack is called Megido Flame, and it is a non-elemental party-wide attack that ignores all of your defense stats. So it stings. Uh, Look out for it. It could kill you, especially if you're at 1 HP. The only other notable thing about this fight is you could steal a laser cannon from it, which is useful for getting pulse ammo. It's probably one of only two or three enemies you can get that create pulse ammo. The other one being the... uh, the Elnoil enemy that you, the repeatable boss that's in Esthar. That's still there, by the way. If you went back there, you could still find that guy and just keep fighting him and stealing energy crystals. Oh, yeah. No, that's uh, 100% what I loved to do is mm-hmm. is just farm that Elnoil. Um, <laughs> that, <laughs> that encounter in, in Lunar Cried Esthar is so funny because, yeah. like, you talk to all of these soldiers who are on the ground, like, there's too many of them. We're fucked. What do we do? And then there's one guy who's slumped over and he just goes, <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. and then encounter. Yeah. It's like, and you could just do it again who? and again and again. Mm-hmm. So this this here is so I um grinded just a little bit post lunar cry because um the all of a sudden on the Estar continent you can fight all the enemies that give you everything that you need for Squall's ultimate weapon mm-hmm. and Squall's ultimate weapon uh gives you his ultimate limit break Lionheart mm-hmm. and um Lionheart is way fucking overpowered and it's wild yeah. because um it is the thing the only reason why I was able to beat the final boss uh, when I was younger was Lionheart. And now that I know what I'm doing and I'm playing the game, I did one Lionheart and this boss just died. And I was like, <laughs> oh, is that it? I remember this being kind of a tense one. Um, the other thing I was going to say, the word Megiddo or Megiddo or however people want to pronounce it uh, has been ruined for me permanently because when I was growing up, my family did not have cable TV. I know, big hardship, whatever. But what that meant is that when I had insomnia and it was three in the morning and I needed to go watch some TV, the only thing that was on was fucking Trinity Broadcasting Network. And there <laughs> were that that one guy who wrote all the books, like the Omega Code and all of the fucking Book of Revelation yep. bastardizations. So now I just think of that like guy with the square ass face with glasses talking to me about the end times. Um <laughs> Thanks, Trinity Broadcasting Network. I figured it had to either be Trinity Broadcasting Network 
or the Megiddo toy, which is, you know, a real ass destroyer. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, th- this guy is actually pretty like tanky. Like, you know, I was rolling around like my squall is like level 31, 32 and like the other characters are like low to mid 20s. Well, except for like Quistus is like 18, level 18. And like it took a decent while of having like squall right now. My squall has max attack 255 mm-hmm. attack and still needed like i don't know 10 hits to kill this thing like it, it has like tens of thousands of health so i thought it was going to be like a breeze and i was like i don't need to do the you know i know i'm going to get turned into like one hp at some point maybe i'll throw in a um a lion heart in there but it ended up being like a much tenser little fight than i originally anticipated which was nice because the boss fights have been pretty easy when you're overpowered. So little tense, not awful, but little tense. Hmm. But that's all about that. Uh, you blow the thing up. It's got a nice little uh, death animation. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we get some good boss death animations uh, this episode, actually, with this and the, the last one we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, just final warning. So after this fight, uh, you can turn around and go back and save. And at this point, you can go back to the Ragnarok and fly away and just do anything else in the world that you want. And so, like, if you're trying to do, like, let's say the quest with the grandpa and Dalit or something, this is the last chance you can do it. Because a lot of these towns are going to get locked down. Um, there are some places that will still be open, like the deep sea retro centers will still be open. Uh, the lunar landing, like escape pod landing will still be open if you want to play Piet over there. Like there's a handful of places like Jokobo Forests are still open, but like you can't just go around towns. You can't go into Balam Garden anymore past this point. Uh, so anything you'd want to do, like, yeah, like the, if you didn't do the card club quest, you would have to do it now before you fight Cypher, which is the next fight. Just, yeah, if you're playing along, just know that. Like you're not going to, you're going to save a handful of your side quests, but a lot of them will be cut off. For some reason, the discussion of grandpa side quests and time compression just made me think of uh, the old man from Yu-Gi-Oh trapped in the TV. I don't know why. (laughs) Squall! (laughs) Raijin and Fujin retreat into the next room and we follow them. Inside, they are holding on to Alone with Cypher presiding over them. But they were serious. They're fucking done with this. They give us Alone and tell Cypher that no, really, fuck you, man. Thank God. (laughs) Yeah. And we know it's serious because instead of being monosyllabic, Fujin pulls a silent bob and looks at his former boss and just goes, no, the truck said... Animals for Hollywood, you fucking asshole. (laughs) (laughs) And anyway. Oh, right. Fujin's the lady. I'm so fucking bad at telling these two apart. They're just one (laughs) unit in my head. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they kind of are. Yeah. But yeah, she's like, hey, can you knock this off? We have to rely on Squall right now. We we're ride or die for you, and we just shifted allegiance to Team Squall. He is such a square. Oh my <laughs> god. This is what you've done to us, bro. <laughs> mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Cypher, who is just dressing like a hobo at this point, is like, yep. all right, peace. And they leave. 
Squall tells Alona, you should you should probably go meet a Laguna. You should probably leave. This is going to get bad. Mm-hmm. And the fight prep begins. Squall's like, all right, Mr. Knight, let's do this. Let's take this on night to night. And Cypher's like, oh, well, no, if you're a knight, I'm not a knight anymore. I think I'm like a young revolutionary now. This bit made me so mad. Yeah. Only because... He keeps talking about his goal. He's like, mm-hmm. I will not be stopped in my goal. I'm going to achieve my goal at all costs. My goal is all that matters. What is your fucking goal at this point, my guy? What do you want other than mm-hmm. just to just to beat Squall? That's like, that's that's But then it. say so, that. <laughs> say right, that part. Exactly, like, exactly. I don't have anything else left. But, my, you know, it, it is that exact thing. Oh, fuck. What was that series where it's like the only thing I have left is my rivalry with you? And it's like, oh, right, right, right. Oh, Margulis. Like Margulis. Ever? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, but, but no, yes, specifically yes. Mar- Margulis. Margulis and, uh, Jin, and Jin, where it's like, yeah. I've lost everything. Now the only thing left in my, my life that has meaning is this. And like, yes, you're right. It's an yeah. anime ass thing. But like that one specifically, like I wanted yeah. that moment here and I didn't get it. A hundred percent. Yeah, well, and this is the, I mean, the whole, <laughs> I was going to talk about this at the end of this fight, but it's probably fine to talk about now. Um, yeah. Like, I forgot, just straight up forgot how much Cypher remained in this game post-Disc 2, mm-hmm. because he remains a rival, according to the game, but he is so incoherent and also Mm non-threatening after basically the midpoint of disc two that i erased his presence it through the end of disc three from my memory entirely and you know we've talked about the failure of cypher as a character up and down we don't need to belabor that point until Mm -hmm. we get into the like you know how to how to remake final fantasy 8 episode that we're talking about doing at the very end of this but like yeah, it just if Cypher doesn't have motivation and the game doesn't have motivation for Cypher, why is he still here? Mm-hmm. Because he's an asset they re- can reuse. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I mean, or they mean it definitely has more meaning than just fighting a mech that just kind of falls in out of nowhere. But the fight is not functionally really any different than any other fight which is the thing that's the biggest bummer about it. It's not even like like the one wrinkle he's got one to attack, which we'll talk about. But it's Okay, really but just we're yeah. about to do attack. the lady parade to cap disc three, so it's not like <laughs> they need something that's actually standout. Right. Well, at God. So True. I I uh was not on Discord last night, and so I did not see the oh. um hey, are we gonna fight Adele? So um I'm gonna be flying blind for the rest for <laughs> you, 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 didn't, for, you didn't miss much. <laughs> there's there's okay. a lady there's parade. Yeah. Um so yeah, like the, the there is one wrinkle here that I act that did make me geek the fuck out and for uh, a very funny reason for me, which is so um there is one new big twist if you have the Odin Guardian Force. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is so I got the luck plus 50% Guardian Force skill up and I put it on Squall. And luck like um, dictates drops because I was trying to get some rare drops. But also luck Mm -hmm. affects the frequency of Odin coming in and Zansetsukening everything. And so I was getting so 
tired <laughs> of Odin showing up and wrecking everybody. And so here, if you have Odin, he will appear at the beginning of the battle. And I was like, oh my God, Cypher is, so, it's like it's so fucking chump made that he's about to get Zanset Sukend. This mm-hmm. is kind of sick, but also rolling my eyes. But then what happens is in a surprise twist, Cypher is like, uh-uh, I, you're going to have to do better than that. And fucking bisects Odin and his horse. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, he Odin's Odin. He Zansetsuken's Odin, killing Odin permanently and sending a sword flying off into the sky, which is caught by a mysterious red-gloved hand. And notably, this doesn't get translated in the game, but the the characters that show up, there's like a, like five Japanese or four Japanese characters that show up after the uh, the kill. And it says reverse Zansetsuken. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> or Zansetsuken I was, reverse. I was really happen this hap- happy this happened for mechanical reasons because it means that I won't have Odin show up when I don't want him to show up anymore. Well, un- unfortunately, that's not entire. Well, Odin won't show up anymore. <laughs> Ah, uh, right. Okay. Right. It'll just be that. Yeah, it'll just like it'll happen. It'll just be less effective. <laughs> mhm. Mhm. So yeah, after this the fight gets put on like an invisible timer uh where you basically just have to survive for a while because after a certain period of time, Gilgamesh will just show up flying through the sky. He says something about like, "Oh, you're the last one to hold this" or something like that. I forget exactly what he says. Uh, he but he says then, um he says uh, "Oh, you had the fourth one" by meaning right. sword. Right. Right, 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 right. Yes. Yes. So he says you have the fourth one uh, because he caught Odin's sword and then he just like fucking mercs Cypher for us uh, Mm -hmm. in a gigantic Final Fantasy V reference. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Like there's a whole quote about like this is explicitly the Final Fantasy V character because it's like he comes through an interdimensional portal. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, and he just he's got uh yoshitaka amino clothes on also yeah, he yeah, yeah. he looks so aminofied well the, the funniest think... thing about his design is the the three cardboard hands on his right yeah. side he's got i don't know what that is like i always like i stare at it every time i look at this character i'm like like i he's got four hands on his left side okay he's got four swords to pull that's interesting why does he have fake hands on the other side I think this is actually the first time Gilgamesh shows up after FF5, and it's kind of impressive that they instantly went into, no, it's always going to be the same guy. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Uh, he's, he is, he's, a, he's a different guy in Final Fantasy XIV, but that's a whole can of worms. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the first I've heard of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I've, I've listened to those episodes. Uh, they do a really interesting thing with that character. <laughs> yeah, they do. It's the, yeah, it's cute. Yeah, L- listen to icons and icons. <laughs> yeah, just a dollar a month on pitchdrop.cash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's called a mid back- roll. The least cancelable <laughs> show on the network. <laughs> Somehow. Mm. Um so well it it'll be it'll be canceled if there were if uh Square ever gets its NFT pause into Final Fantasy 14. Chris and I have a pact that as soon as there's an NFT in Final Fantasy 14, we end the podcast. So, of course, Chris Taylor would put in a kill shot that means he has to do less work again. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, back to the non Odinized fight, 
Cypher's big new trick is a limit break called Bloodfest, which is metal, uh, which, mm -hmm. like all of his signature attacks, is fire-based because he's got fiery passion, and Defreet is the only guardian force he has also. Um, and he can also cast Flare now. Um, you can draw Aura from him, and uh, Aura is an extremely overpowered spell if you have 100 of them, and also really nice to put your folks into limit break mode. So um, draw from him if you want, um, because Aura is a great spell. Um, I have stopped caring about drawing, um, so I did not do this, but we shall see how much it fucks me later. Uh, Ooh, and then look at the Envy who decided that they don't need to be artistic. <laughs> wow. You stopped drawing. Listen. That was it. That was the joke. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> um it's just funny because yeah, I I I can't draw. I have terrible visual art uh skills. You and me both. <laughs> so, um yeah, Gilgamesh Gilgamesh now uh replaces Odin and functions in a similar way. However, there are notable differences he uses one of four attacks so zansetsuken is only one of them and it's based on odin's sword and it looks exactly like what odin does uh masamune uh is uh it does heavy damage and applies a slow effect excalibur does heavy damage and excalipur does only one hit point of damage he can show up also during boss battles uh which so this is the one wrinkle is that it's no longer just a 100 insta kill of trash mobs it now has one of four effects, and uh, he won't tailor his effects to what you're fighting. And so um, if he does Masamune or Excalibur on a boss, that will actually like do good things. But if he tries Zansetsuken, it'll just fail. It'll yep. just fail. Yeah, because like Odin, Odin would not fight bosses. Uh, so it, it is funny that he chose the one boss that'll kill him to do it. But, you know. Yeah. Um, one of Zell's limit break dual moves, um, I have been trying to figure out what causes it to miss because it, uh, there's one where, uh, he lifts a guy up into the sky and then oh, body slams yeah. them on their head. And half the time it just misses. And I know that there is something that is dictating when it misses, but I thought, oh, maybe it's because it doesn't work on flying creatures, but then it doesn't work on Cypher. So I don't know. I, maybe they just didn't want to animate it with that enemy model i don't know <laughs> shrug well so the animation happens and then it just either misses or oh, hits so for several thousand damage oh that's so weird i mean granted uh, do you know which attack oh gosh it's um it's up circle down circle or down circle up circle i don't remember what the actual name is okay um i don't have that in this guide but it might be is it meteor strike it's meteor strike Okay, so Meteor Strike is weird because it does not have a set power level and is, in fact, gravity damage. Oh. So if so you're if immune, immune to, to gravity, gravity, like Demi, mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm, that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Mystery solved. Uh, I wish it told you that. <laughs> I guess if you looked into <laughs> Combat King, I'm sure it tells you. I just used Booyah and, or was it, was it? Yeah, it's Booyah and punch rush because that's the way to do the most damage it's just oh. going between those two back and forth it's so boring but it works dolphin strike when it shows up mm -hmm. causes a lot of damage as well plus uh it uppercuts and then, and it, and then a lisa frank scene happens <laughs> um I, I, I gotta put in the sound effect of that of that happening because there is like dolphin yeah. noises it's very cute
Yeah, but also L1R1, L1R1 is much easier to mash for me than anything on the D-pad. So I use Dolphin Strike a lot. Yeah, yeah. So despite being beat into a pulp again, Cypher just pops back up. And this time the animation of that is actually really hilarious to me. Uh, And he runs off screen, grabs Renoa, and takes her as an offering to Adele. Uh, We change Cypher up to where Adele is, and we see uh, the sorceress break out of her saran wrap and reach for Renoa to trigger another boss fight. (laughs) So here Adele appears uh, with Renoa half absorbed into her chest in a crucifixion pose. And uh, she's like being junctioned here. That's what's actually happening here, which when you think about it, that's horrifying. You could junction Mm -hmm. a human to another human. Holy shit. Um, you, you would think Dr. Odine would have done something like this. Yeah. But yeah, the gimmick here is that we need to keep Renoa alive and you could hit her if you use party wide attacks. And uh, Adele will periodically suck up some of her HP and she doesn't really have that much. So we need to make sure she's topped off. Uh, and then we need to just, you know, target Adele and kill her. But she does have some nasty magic, particularly Meteor, Quake, and Ultima. And this is where, like, I'm glad I'm playing the remaster because every time in this fight when she casts Quake, the slowdown is absolutely obscene, uh, at least on the original PlayStation version. Uh, Hmm. It just goes to, like, single-digit frame rates. Uh, It's really, really rough. But yeah, Ultima packs a fucking punch in this game. And the the game will warn you when she's about to cast one of those because there's a message being like, oh, she's gathering magical energy. That means her next attack is going to be Ultima. So you can mug a Samantha soul from her. I believe that is something like magic. No, it's not magic. It's like spirit plus 60% or something. It's the thing. You you get three of them from the Quistus card. You could steal one from her. But anyway... That's the only way to get any spoils from this fight because uh, there is no battle end screen. So you don't get uh, drops or um, AP, even though it's coded into the game that you're supposed to. <laughs> you're supposed to get like 40 AP from this fight and they just it just never pops up. So you don't get it. <laughs> mm. Oops. And after you defeat Adele, Alone and Laguna rush in and they begin doing the thing. Laguna reminds you the power of friendship, something, 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 and time compression starts. The fabric of reality ripples and distorts, and the party falls through the floor, breaking out into the sky with bubbles of their memory flying around them. They then fall into the sea, then through it, popping out of the surface still in freefall like we are at the end of Urusei Yatsura 2, Beautiful Dreamer. Thank you, (laughs) Oshi. Hell yeah. Squall tells the party to focus their thoughts on meeting up at Adea's house. They head through a wormhole and end up in the room in Delling City where Renoa confronted Adea for the first time. There is a save point in the middle of this room, but when you touch it, a dozen more pop up, all non-functional. Should you head out the front door, you end up back in the same room, but now Adea is there. She gets up with an after-image effect flowing behind her, splits into two, and we begin a boss fight. I laughed so hard the first time I ran into the save point thing. That <laughs> got good. me it's a good effect. so... It's so good. And they're... Yeah. <laughs> it, you're just like, huh. And it even has like this... that gives you a little save point. Hey, you hit a save point thing at the top. And then it just like... The camera shifts and then there's like 10 of them. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck? The PlayStation era was where... 
developers started playing around a little more with meta conceits about Mm -hmm. the save point is not a safe thing. I'm not Mm -hmm. going to mention the obvious one for spoiler reasons, but there's also the trap save point at the end of Parasite Eve. Mm -hmm. There's... mm -hmm. And there's, there's, there, there are two, there are also two prominent Squaresoft games of this latter PlayStation era that put save points into like the world and make them plot relevant in that really one interesting of those is ways. one i'm not talking about yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also capcom doing that with resident evil and playing with it by the end of the playstation one run because there's definitely that one in nemesis that's not actually oh, a safe yeah. room god that that was a really oh yeah good moment Oh yeah. Anyhow, so uh, this battle is against a succession of sorceresses, a, little, a sorceress parade, parade of women. Um, it's a dude parade, but ladies. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's raining sorceresses with the uh, new ones warping in after previous ones are defeated. Each time a new one drops in, the battle scene changes location. If sorceresses were better seated in seed uh were better seated in this world this would uh be a lot more powerful but because we don't know shit about them it's it's just a it's just a thing it's an npc parade yeah yeah uh after fighting about a dozen quote-unquote normal sorceresses a final one shows up that looks like one got merged with a dune sandworm (laughs) god god emperor of esthar uh it it will it will counterattack every move until it starts a countdown from five after which it will cast ultima the counterattacks hit for a, a good amount of hp again because all of the level scaling in this game it's mm-hmm. just a good amount of hp um yeah. several thousand if you're if you're um in the 40s about 1500 if you're in the low 30s squall for me is like level 61 um Holy shit. and <laughs> all my other folks are in the like late 20s early or upper 20s lower 30s I guess, I guess that makes sense if you're fighting everything because i definitely like i i told myself oh no you're gonna use encounter half and then I'm like, no, I got to get through this game to write these fucking notes. I'm just keeping an encounter nut on. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, like I mentioned, my squall is in the low 30s, like 31, yeah. 32. You, you know, I really, if folks know me from other games communities, uh-huh. uh, they know that I love playing the game unadulterated. I love not trying to de-friction my experience because evaluating a game warts and all and saying nope this is the game this is what they gave me is important to me i'm speeding up these battles i this is a big gamer (laughs) big gamer admission here i you know i i tried for a really long time to just like treat the game as though it was the playstation version without any of the quality of life shit because i'm Mm -hmm. i rage against quality of life stuff a lot i'm like no the quality should be bad we should be frustrated and annoyed like that should be part of the game experience I sped this shit up. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to all my fans and haters. Uh, you got me. I'm inconsistent. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Ryan doesn't use Gamerloop. 
<laughs> gamer lube. You said you wanted all the friction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, I would say using, well, I mean, the speed up is another thing, but yeah, using a counter none, I feel like, I mean, it's part, it's built into the game, but like, yes. yeah. That's no, and, and, and counter none is not cheating. And no. counter none is a tool that even the PlayStation game gave you. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, also Tonberry's level up and level down skills as well. Yeah. Are those Tonberry? Yeah, I, Tonberry. I think they are. Yeah. Like there there are a lot of ways that the original game gave there are a lot of tools that allow you to manipulate your play experience to make it more or less annoying. That is neat. Safe I editors. don't <laughs> I don't like Encounter None. I just it feels weird to me to be running through mm. and just not fighting mobs. I don't yeah. I don't like it. It doesn't. It's so it's so fucking funny. You know, one of the big like state of the RPG, state of the JRPG questions that gets lobbed all the time is, okay, why are we still fighting all of these bullshit random encounters? It's just a time tax. It's not tactically interesting. And a lot of people try to f- fix this by quote unquote fix this by saying ah well you know we've given you the option to turn them off if you want and my dumbass is like no it feels wrong without all these mm-hmm. random encounters what are you doing and so i'm part of the problem i'm why jrpgs can't evolve folks <laughs> i like the random encounters i mean i feel like if i guess we we will talk about it in the in the like fixing Final Fantasy VIII episode when we talk about mechanics because like I we, we could talk about this for a while I'm sure mm-hmm. just the idea of like what does it mean to even turn turn off the main mechanic and like does that mean you just need to focus more on the mechanics that are not just leveling up which is like a big part of this game uh, the the weird thing about it it does feel weirdly empty like running through this game with the counter not on all the time but mm-hmm. I've also played this game so many times that I don't really need that friction anymore to feel like I'm playing it. But there were moments where I'm like, yeah, I should probably like I'm writing notes for this game. I should probably fight a battle or two to see what we're actually fighting. Right. <laughs> but ultimately, yeah. it doesn't for the most part, it doesn't matter. Like, well, I did that a I, little bit in in Esthar. Like I, I fought an iron giant and that was like, damn, those guys are tanky. But uh, I just summoned Doom Train on him and just whacked him a bunch and he died. And then I got a lot of experience. Cool. Yeah. So uh, when I was farming for not farming, when I was like looking for specific item drops, it was really it was really helpful um, because, you know, you can use you can convert items to spells. You can convert items to tools like there are there are a lot of things that you can do with the drops from these random encounters. Uh, Otherwise, there would be like kind of no point but yeah it i i kept that shit on you heard it here first folks matt doesn't need the friction to feel (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Um, anyway also yeah also at this point if you don't get wiped by ultima you can mug each sorceress for spell stones which can convert to the three like of the ultimate spells holy meteor and ultima yeah and you can just use it as an item to cast it Mm -hmm. Um, so like a couple of things first one is uh, i wiped the first time here because i i have the battle speed set to max and i have weight off so i'm on active and this five second counter just 
disappears. Like <laughs> it's so fast, even with my characters being like real juiced up on speed, like just having to bend you through anything. <laughs> Sorry. I should have said juiced up with speed junctions and speed plus uh, abilities. <laughs> Seeds on speed. Garden's giving out crocodile, I mean, baby. Uh-huh, they're uh-huh. all neurodivergent, so they may all have Addy prescriptions. There's, there's probably a shortage in this world, too. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, like I did not have enough time to react to like uh, either cast shell or heal up my party. So I just got wiped by an Ultima, <laughs> the first Ultima <laughs> that came in. And like, because I had, I had weathered an Ultima from Adele, and it was fine. But then I, I had to do the Adele fight and all the other fights again because it's just mm. one continuous uh, moment. Yikes. Those, remember, Rough. those save points don't work. <laughs> uh, and I, I tried it. Not a big deal. The, the other thing is, uh, you know, this fight got a little ruined for me because the first time, you know, I, I mentioned I had played this game a lot and I never got past the Adele fight previously because my save kept getting wiped. So the first time I actually saw this fight was in a in a let's play and it's one I mentioned before is the one by Lord of Ultima. And in that one they do an editing thing where instead of playing the regular boss theme during this fight, they keep playing the time compression song, which by the way we should mention cuz I love it. I just mm. it's it's super simple and yes the the sax patch is really corny. <laughs> the, the the rompler sax note, but like it has got a nice big like chorusy bass underneath it and like some vox humana on top it's just it's got a really cool sparse sound and in their version of the video they're playing that song over this battle and it works so well like just to set the mood to be creepy and ethereal instead of just Mm -hmm. the normal we're in a boss battle like you know prog rock that when Mm -hmm. i went and actually played it the first time it was a huge letdown that i'm like oh we're just Mm -hmm. playing we're just listening to that song again because I like time compression. You don't hear it a lot and it works so well. Like they, that would have made this uh, feel a lot better to me. Time compression. The track sounds like if the human league did ska. Yeah. Yeah. It is so, it is so different from, um, Uematsu's usual prog rock boss battle steez that yeah. that it it's really striking but yeah human league doing ska uh-huh <laughs> yep. i i see it yep
also, just while we're all saying cancelable things about JRPGs and fiction, <laughs> I started playing Soul Hackers 2 last night, so, you know, you can make mm. fun of me for that. Mm. Speaking of games with quality of life and quality in general problems. <laughs> there you Is go. that the one that just got put onto Game Pass? That's the one that just yeah. got put onto Game Pass. I bought mm-hmm. that, pre-ordered that with the good edition. So, you know, Ugh. then I ended up waiting for the quality of life patch that turned it into, like, a playable game. <laughs> but also that was going on during my I'm unemployed and I can only play bad games period, not knowing mm. it was a trash game. <laughs> I thought, Oops. I have to save this until I'm working again. Oh, wait, I'm using this to detox from a garbage checklist game now. Great. Perfect. Uh, usually, usually I really fall in line with a lot of Dio Lucina's sicko takes out there. Um, she is, you know, famous for her Shenmue 3 is a perfect game, actually, um, <laughs> take. Oh. Um, oh. It's, I think it's very well argued when she gave Shenmue 3 a 10 out of 10. I, I don't agree with her, but I'm like, hell yeah, I'm glad you're sticking it to the critics of the world by doing this. But when she got online and she was like, Soul Hackers 2, one of the best video games, I was like, I don't think so. I can't follow you there, Dia. I'm sorry. I'm under an hour in and I've already seen The Grey, which people <laughs> warned me about. Holy mm-hmm. shit, did they warn me about it? Oh, what is th- I have no context for this. What is this? There is a major progression dungeon Mm. that is just endless gray hallways and cubes. And apparently Mm. this just doesn't change for the whole game. Imagine if Tartarus was Blander. Yeah, it really, it's like, it's, it's go, it's going, it's a, it's going back to what the dungeons looked like in the original Super Famicom Famicom Shin Megami Tensei, where okay. it, yeah, it's just featureless hallways. Yeah, like like yep. uh, fucking wizardry I, I, and uh, listen, yeah, I fucking star. yeah, I love a lot of dungeon crawly games, but I can't hack Soul Hackers too. I just can't do it. The thing is, if you give me a blobber where I'm moving tile by tile, sure, I'm fine with that. Etrian Odyssey, Shin Megami mm-hmm. Tensei, etc. If you are making me run through the hallways. Exactly. Exactly. It doesn't it doesn't work with with like full 3D. Yeah. You know, action kind of. Yeah. It becomes a lot more featureless because you're not taking the time to physically map it out in your brain, which is the whole point of blobbers. So Uh, Mm -hmm. that sounds rough. Yeah. Not my fave. The gray. (laughs) All right. Anyway, after the battle, the party lands at Adea's house, uh, you know, the orphanage when it's, you know, still in ruins. And uh, you head to the backyard and the seaside scene fades into a gothic horror monstrosity with bodies of dead seeds all around and a massive floating castle uh, tied down with chains in the distance. And... uh, Squall says that uh, these are the results of Ultimecia's battles with seed throughout the ages. And uh, he said, all right, I'm going to put an end to this. And that's where we're going to cut it off. Here is a way for people who are familiar with different media to understand what you are seeing here. Brian Fuller was the man who showran Hannibal. 
Brian Fuller also did a failed reboot of The Munsters. Combine those two and that's what this looks like. <laughs> Wait. I don't know Brian Fuller's Munsters remake. It I was only a, know Rob Zombies. It was a single episode special that was a pilot they put out as a movie that Halloween called, I think, 31 Chickweed Lane or whatever. I forget what the... It was the address of the Munsters house. It had then Eddie Izzard as Grandpa, um, Jerry O'Connell from Sliders as... Yeah, it's such a weirdly stacked cast. And it was pretty okay. But it's just like, this is the biggest money-losing boondoggle NBC has done since Hannibal. Oh, they were... Oh... Oh, they were trying to um, replicate Grimm's success, which is funny because uh, Grimm was only successful. I was going to say, calling a, Grimm a success is wild. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah. but Well, I mean, Grimm did last six seasons. Grimm and, lasted uh, six seasons in the Friday slot. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, it, 123 episodes. It is executive produced by Sean Hayes. What the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, that's that's grim. That's that's not Mockingbird yeah. Lane. Yeah, Mockingbird Lane. Pretty good if you want to watch just a weird thing. Mm. Like the cast is stacked. Everyone's giving it their all. But clearly, an executive looked at everything that went into this and went, "We're not doing this again, Brian." <laughs> Yeah, which it, yeah, just aesthetically, it is extremely different vibe from the whole rest of the game, with, with certain exceptions. Like there, there, there was a you know a gargoyle or two out there, but like this is the most like castle ass castle I have ever seen, and it, it's even got like bat wings coming out of it. It's, it's this place would have strange. a totem pole full of asses. <laughs> it it immediately um like it imagines. I hate saying this. I, <laughs> it imagines a more interesting game. Like, <laughs> no, really, it does. It, like it, 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 positioning the the events of Final Fantasy VIII as the like fulcrum on which the future ravaged by a war between seeds and Ultimicia for generation after generation is extremely cool and to see it here makes me go like so many times playing this game why wasn't this here before why weren't the seeds of this here before this is very evocative mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. the summation episode the final wrap-up episode that we're gonna do in in a little while here is gonna be so bizarre because i have talked so much shit about this game I've yeah. leveled so many critiques towards this game uh -huh. that I believe in, and yet I am still going to come away with it going good. You know, it's <laughs> it lands on the right side for you. Look, I've been kicking this game in the cooter for three episodes now, and this is still one of the best bits we've had is this whole stretch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God, yeah. I, yeah. I, I love how psychedelic it, yeah well we're we're about to hit wrap up thoughts for this episode but um yeah it, it this this scene this sequence is so i've already used the word evocative but that's what i'm gonna keep going to it's it's great like it 
I think like it raises the stakes properly. I feel <laughs> like because I mean, we haven't even really we've seen Ultimisha one time as like a possession ghost, right? We have not actually, you know, we assume that, you know, we've only seen her working through other characters. So like just to see of like, oh, this is like apocalyptic end of the world, you know, level stuff. Uh, it, it really does make things feel a little bit more real, especially even though it's extremely fantastical. And I think, the biggest reason why is we haven't seen a lot of casualties in this right. game so far. Cypher is still alive somehow. Cypher yeah, well, doesn't die here. Like we don't kill like, him. And like Trabia Garden is absolutely devastated, but yeah, um, but there were we, people we see a bunch know. of survivors. We see a bunch yeah. of stragglers. Like it's it, you know, and there's like one little graveyard. Yeah, and uh presumably the monsters that came down from the moon murdered a lot of people uh, in Estar. Yeah. Like Estar is in crisis right now, but like mm-hmm. so much of this feels very weightless. Like I think it was one of those cases where maybe they did need a cast death like Aerith or something in order to really mm-hmm. make this stick. Because up until this point, you haven't really felt any heavy losses. Well, and that's, you know, it's they, it goes back to me to their stated goal, or at least the goal that the designers uh, mentioned in the Ultimania interviews, where they said they were trying to, they were trying to do light within a world of darkness or darkness in light, darkness within light, where it's like, you know, (laughs) take a drink, everyone at home. (laughs) Right. But, 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 but that, but that. It get it's it it muddles it by not wanting to actually shine a light on the darkness that's happening in the world. It can, like you said, feel weightless and yeah. consequenceless, and especially because the world is so disconnected, right? right? It just it doesn't. Yeah, there's this is one of the most impactful moments, and it's showing mm-hmm. us impact that happens hypothetically in the future unless we stop this stuff now, mm-hmm. especially for Endgame. And with all we've been talking this up as a thing, we should have ripped Renoa out of the party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There are other games through the CD era that have been doing this. Again, one that's not going to be spoiled and one that is the Lunar games. Fuck those. But <laughs> they do that. They go, hey, your love interest is also tied to the final boss. We're going to take them out of the party because the final boss has arrived. Mm-hmm. And oh. we didn't do that here. Well, well, Sybil, have we probably we, we haven't discussed Renoa is Ultimicia yet? No, we have not. That's that's the uh, that's the that's the, the, the second thing. most popular fan theory. Yeah, but but beyond so there's Squall's dead, and then there's also Renoa is Ultimicia. Uh, those are yeah, those are the two big. Mm-hmm. big how to how to explain final fantasy VIII so, theories i had definitely wondered and i guess let's just start discussing this now i think we're in wrap-up unless we have other beats you want to hit quickly yeah no i mean like i yeah we, we can go into that because i'll just move these random notes i'll talk about okay. the next episode yeah i was going to ask so we're i sort of figured that ultimicia was 
We have less sorceresses popping up, be it via Odin's bullshit or the fact that we're just doing a sorceress genocide right now and all the power is combining into two and now one lady. So I was starting to think, do you get Ultimicia because eventually someone just gets all of the power again at the end of the world? And, you know, Hmm. we were starting to push there with Renoa because, yeah, we don't have any other candidates unless maybe Idea picked some stuff up again. Right. Yeah. Um. So here's the hmm. the thing. We can't really talk about it because it's a spoiler for the final fight. Cool. Okay. Yeah. But just know that people have thought about this and like mm-hmm. there is a fan theory that those characters are connected. And yeah, I just wanted just to spit that out as something that had been on my mind through this segment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, as you said, like that's a, that's a, other games have done that. And I, I think it would have been, Hmm. I don't know. I I think it depends on what you want Renoa to do at this point of the game, how much agency you want her to have. And we just got her out of a coma and you kind of suck to kind of take her away again. <laughs> um, granted, you could just re- rewrite that whole section of the game and then not have that be a problem. But like, I mean, th- there's ways in which the where this plot wraps up that I kind of like having Renoa not be like a young version of Ultimicia or like a pre-future version of her. And in part, I guess it also means because like, I don't think Ultimicia and what Renoa as a character is trying to do align at all. Mm-hmm. Like if there was a way in which Ultimicia's goals and Renoa's goals were similar, but one was like the twisted version of the other one or the one <laughs> taken to the logical extreme, then I could say, Hey, that's got a thematic element to it. That's cool. Uh, or mm-hmm. like, or you could say that they're a duality or like, you know, they're foils of each other. But that's not really just the case here. The case, <laughs> um, you know, she's just she's just a sorceress who wants more power because she wants more power. Shrug. Yeah. As it currently <laughs> is, I don't see Renoa as Ultimicia. I just thought the condensation of power into less and less individuals seemed like it would lead to an yeah. Ultimicia. Oh, yeah. 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 I, Hell, you, yeah, you could have had a game where part of the thing is Ultimisha is coming back and absorbing other sorceresses and like finding them in the world. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you wanted a game with more than two sorceresses at a time. Yeah. No, they're it, like the yeah. Sith. Yeah, they're kind of like the Sith. Kind of, especially because sometimes it's like, oh, surprise, there's a, there's another sorceress that we didn't know about before. <laughs> if we're going into wrap up here. I love the psychedelia of this final it like I I I think that when time compression starts happening they represent it visually really brilliantly. I think that all of the memory bubbles are sick. I think yeah. that like all of the location warping is sick. Like it really especially I mean, you know, it's like a massive budget PlayStation one game, but still the, the like technological resources of a PlayStation one game, they, they, re- they, they sell it so hard. I, yeah. I, I love the look and the vibe of time compression. Yeah. They're, they're really flexing their ability to do sort of fluid surfaces and fluid reflective surfaces. Mm-hmm. particularly in that cutscene, And like I called it out last episode with like the reflection in the rings and it's the same thing. Uh, but 
Funnily enough, that cut seed is also another one of those, oh, the RNG seed affects how the characters are floating <laughs> in that scene, mm-hmm. like the character hmm. models. Uh, so like, cause they, they kind of shift around and you can tell which, where you are in the seed somewhat by, by looking at that, which is, which is a thing you need to do in order to, uh, if you're speed running this game to do the Ultimisha fight optimally, you need to have an exact knowledge of where your seat is. Nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I want to call out as far as wrap up for this episode is, um, I just want to go back to the scene in, in, the ruined orphanage i love that scene a lot i again continue to love the romance and melodrama part of this and the this idea that like okay we wanted to focus on the romance between squall and renoa and kind of let everything else fall by the wayside it that that focus fails the game a lot but this one it's like her opening up sharing her like nightmare sharing her her fear Mm, and then squall's promise to be here like tying back to the opening cutscene, tying back to um the the central themes of like trusting your heart and 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 putting your trust in others and wanting to maintain a connection even as your fear of abandonment has like fucked with your memory even as gfs have fucked with your memory like that Mm -hmm. That really works for me, especially because, like, you know, they're in this field of flowers. Renoa is clearly spiraling, and instead of clamming up, Squall actually says something. But then also, they make a Guardian Force memory joke at the same time. <laughs> they where it's did? Like, hey, uh, uh, I forgot. I forgot about all of this because of the GF. And Renoa's like, "That's just an excuse." <laughs> yeah, um, no, I, the fact that they lampshade it is so funny. Uh, yeah, because yeah. she's like, "Oh yeah, that was the words you first said that kind of kicked this whole thing off for me." It's like, oh, what is it like? stay close to me or something like that. Yeah. And, and, and it's so, like, and he's like, Oh, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the overall arc of my revisit of final fantasy eight is so funny because I remember like feeling like it totally falls apart in disc three. And then when disc three started, I was gung ho. I was like, Oh, I forgot about all of this. They're going to land it. They're going to fucking land it. And then here throughout most of this episode, I was like, Oh no, it did fall apart. Um, like the Laguna president shit doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. The cipher continuing to be around doesn't work for me. But then the time compression moment and the conversation at India's orphanage, it's like, this is for, you know, this, this is the final fantasy for fans of like really incredible moments buried in a bunch of chaff. And that is something that I vibe with. So of, of course the like, the strong scenes are spotlit for me and and I go, yes, this is Final Fantasy VIII. And then all of the connective tissue, which doesn't really connect to anything when I'm exposed mm-hmm. to it, I'm kind of like, oh, 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 oh. There's some gristle in the meat. <laughs> this is mm-hmm. the Ryan Murphy of Final Fantasies. Oh, my God. Yes. Throwing everything at the wall, seeing what sticks, and some of the stuff really sticks, and some of the stuff slides so hard off the wall that it looks like a crime scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think to go to dial into that scene a little bit more, I think I really, it seems really obvious in retrospect, but in the moment, 
the fact that Squall says, I want to be her knight. Yes, that sounds like, you know, corny and romantic and all that in a better game in a better written game with a better rival with Cypher being better. This would work super well because you have the irony that the character who has the romantic dream of being a sorceress's knight ends up being the foil to a guy who becomes a romantic sorceress's knight, but romantic Mm -hmm. in a different definition. Like one of them is, you know, the romantic feelings. The other one being sort of the idealized concept of that. And, you know, the fact that, you know, Squall is supposed to be the, uh, you know, he's the mercenary and he's not the idealist, but he comes around to a different kind of idealism and basically becomes the thing. He becomes the thing that Cypher really wanted to, but went or went about in the wrong way. I, I like that thematically. It's just not foregrounded. And it, and the worst part is that that happens right after Cypher's like, Oh yeah, I don't care about being called a knight anymore. Like that's the thing mm-hmm. that sort of undercuts that in this moment. The, the idea of, you know, as soon as he throws away that moniker, Squall's like, oh, nope, I got it. It's me. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the weirdest line in this whole arc. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the, re- the young revolutionary thing. I'm 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 a bit of a Che Guevara. <laughs> You're fucking not Cypher. It's called a Kefia and I wear it for sorceresses. <laughs> re- uh, remake of Four Lions, but with Cypher, Raijin and Fujin instead. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, I think where I'm I think we're at the point where I can probably start judging where this is going to land for me out of the PS era FFs and I think it's going to slot pretty easily at 4 out of 6. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can I can see how that happens. I can totally see how that happens. Uh, yeah, it's not the worst, but it's not it's too disjointed. It's too broken to really get into that top half for me mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i really do need to replay nine at some point and i know it's gonna it's probably nine's number in six my memory. Yeah. <laughs> i liked nine. nine a lot when i played it but i had a lot more patience and i was still playing with the guide yes the online one um nine and this is okay if we bleep this out but um nine's final boss is the worst implementation of oh, yeah. a surprise final boss in oh, the yeah. history of Final Fantasy. And also the way that Final Fantasy IX goes, oh, don't worry, it's not about a lot of the same themes that seven and eight were about, and then turns around to being like, nope, it's actually about all of them at once. And <laughs> just in a in a worse told way, really gets under my skin nine is the franchise sucking its own dick so hard it gets a fistula (laughs) that's an image jesus i the thing about nine that kills it for me more than the the final (laughs) boss reveal is just the realization that zidane and kuja are saiyans they are gokus and vegetas like that's that's Mm -hmm. it's so on the like down to the Goku came down from the planet and hit his head and he was supposed to destroy the planet, but that's actually, he ended up being a good guy because he got amnesia from getting his head. And he even has the monkey tail because Mm -hmm. this is all journey to the West anyway. Uh, So like 
big jerk off motion for me there. <laughs> and he goes Super Saiyan. As- by the by the way, uh, Jeremy Parrish uh, finally made Alex Kidd make sense to me uh, recently, where um, he revealed that it the first Alex Kidd Alex Kidd in Miracle World was originally going to be a Dragon Ball game, and then they mm. couldn't get the licensing that makes right. Sense. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they just made their own little monkey prints instead. And I was just like, oh, yeah, Miracle World makes so much more sense as a Dragon Ball game. Um, still not a good game. Still don't play it. Uh, but <laughs> the best Alex Kidd game is Segagaga. I don't know that one. That's the Dreamcast game that is about the plot of Sega proceeding to leave the hardware market and all of their like mascots and staff having to do other jobs and you're trying to run the company in a way that it doesn't collapse it's a management sim but it's also a giant love letter to sega and also Mm. a giant piss take on sega god it that sounds awesome actually it almost looks like a proto hyperdimension neptunia as well oh no (laughs) a lot of the same a lot of the same (laughs) mocking humor from a place of love Right. Yeah. And not not in turning every single franchise into a titty woman um, that no, it doesn't that have was that. Sega Hard Girls, which was yeah. another of the, that's the thing everyone forgets. Everyone shits on Neptunia, but it's like the third one of those. And they just announced another one. Right. Well, and they're bl- they're fucking blaming Yoko Taro for this new uh-huh. Sega Hard Girls thing. It's like, no, this is this was part of Sega before Taro got his mitts on it. Oh, like, yeah. Come on. At most, it just means that they're going to have actual lovingly rendered period cycles or something. That's what he'll add to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, would, would, it, would, it, would it be NTSC or PAL cycles? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I love it. That's the most cursed. Thank you. I'm now going to just I'm now going to spring this on every weird gynoid fetishist ever just to fuck with them. <laughs> You're you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we were free of the G word for so many episodes. <laughs> uh, like, see, now it's a callback, Ryan. So when it comes yeah, no, back it's up, and it's a surprise. Here is my pledge to you, the listeners. If Icons and Icons has to be destroyed and we need a new podcast, it will be the even worse named Gynoids and Gynoids. One of them has a U in it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just be a mecha ship. <laughs> that's really Fuck. Uh, See? I that's really good. See? Yeah. Yeah. I am a font of cursed but brilliant ideas. <laughs> Speaking of which, plugs. <laughs> where you where can, can we get me. your your very cursed takes in other in other forms? You can find me on a variety of shows and the writings I do at hellscaper.com. You can listen to Chris Taylor and I uh, talk about Final Fantasy XIV in eternity until uh, the NFT curse hits us Mm -hmm. uh, for a dollar a month by going to pitchdrop.cash. That show is called Icons and Icons. Uh, It's very good. Uh, You can listen to Boku No Stop. It is our anime watch-along podcast casts there is the free version where uh we are about to start code Geass, 
And there's the premium one where we are still in Death Note. We still have three more movies to do, or at least <laughs> something like that. Uh, I just released the one where you're all talking about, we won't, we've only got a little bit of this. We're just going to do the Japanese ones. No, and, and then, yeah, laughed. and then we're like, okay, nope, we're going to probably do the Netflix I one. We're going to do the bonus miniseries. We're doing, we're just going to do it to we're fucking sick of it. Uh, you know, and I, I don't mention this often, but for patron backers, we do have bonus episodes of the free version as well. Like I mentioned earlier, well, it was mentioned earlier in the notes, um, Urusei Yatsura 2 Beautiful Dreamers. We covered that as one of our bonus episodes. Um, we just recorded Mall Rats. That should be coming out soon-ish that will be uh, when next this comes week. out. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talked about Redline, which ruled. So like, yeah, there there are other things you can listen to that aren't strict, you know, Go to the Patreon, check it out, see what we got out there. It's cool. The Boku bonus episodes are just us deciding, what if we didn't have to do a bunch of research and just yeah. wanted to talk shop for a while? And they're what? probably the most chaotic things we do on the network. So if yeah. you love that, mm-hmm. you should listen. Yeah, listen to us talk about Cube. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. Listen to us it's talk great. about Tusk, the Kevin Smith <laughs> horror film. Oh, no. Are we actually covering that? No, God, no. (laughs) One of my least favorite movies in existence. Tusk is calling me out personally. Me and Chris Taylor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It. I I hate that movie so fucking much. Uh, Well... Beyond that, uh, you can uh, read my uh, Yuri Manga reviews on Okazu and also uh, check out my blog that is dedicated to the series How Do We Relationship called Oh My God, They Were Bandmates at omgbandmates.wordpress.com. I swear I will have the volume one uh, post up by the time this is up. Uh, It is getting stupid long. Uh, but I'm having a good time doing it. That's all for next time. Uh, we are going to be covering the final side quest. So really just the deep sea research center and Ultimecia's castle up until the final boss. We will save the final boss and the ending and the summations to the episode after that. So mm-hmm. we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Peace. Bye.